Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. How about this? What, what'd you get here? A little tax man brewing. I appreciate it, Mark. There's a couple different varieties. I, I was going to say, we might have to go through a couple here. I feel like Maddie's really going to like this. Wait, the payoff was a six-pack of beer, and you brought in like a case, Mark. What are we doing Coffee here? mocha hey, gold nice standard? Interesting. Got negative on that. I think Maddie might like this. And I have had the gold standard, the Belgian style from Taxman. Thank you, Mark. You're Eight welcome. beers from Mark Dykin for those counting at home. A six-pack was uh, what the earlier stipulation was, and... Um, I guess I look over at Jake and yeah. um, I see an energy drink. I believe he's already cracked that for himself, though. <laughs> he said, is that is that your beer that you bought, Kevin? I said, yeah, and he cursed at me because I guess he yeah, was trying I mean, to what, see who was going to hold here? out. It's a bit of a mean thing to do here. I didn't Thank want to you, hold Mark. out any longer. You're welcome. I, I appreciate hope you enjoy. that. Uh, that, is, that is, of course, for those that are unfamiliar with this program. Um, Probably not going to crack one just yet, but thank you. I'll wait till the 9 o'clock hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. carb day, right? Well, we do have Greg Doyle on at 8.30, so maybe at 8.30 I might need to crack one. <laughs> By 8.45, we could all probably use one. Um, we had made a wager. Each of us selected. We did a, I think it was five rounds of guessing or predicting, what it, drafting potential names of the Colts head coach and... Kevin selected Shane Steichen. What round did you select Shane Steichen? The end of round one. So he was your first pick. Yeah, right? the, so the third overall pick in the draft. And the first and second overall picks were what? You, I believe I went with... I think you started off I've with got the... i right here. You started Hold off on. with the interim, right? I went with... You no, went I went with Raheem Morris, I think. Did you? Yeah. I thought you went Jeff Saturday to lead us off. No, I think I took Saturday in, with my third pick. So Mark went Jake, Brian Callahan, right? Jake started off and started with Raheem Morris. I started with Brian Callahan. Kevin took, took Steichen. Then it came back, and Kevin went with Basachia, uh, Martindale, and Bubba Ventrone. And then Jake had Raheem Morris, Jeff Saturday, Aaron Glenn, Jim Harbaugh. I had Brian Callahan, Ejiro Evero, uh, Eric Bieniemy, and Mike Kafka. Now, the the uncomfortable thing was this was after... Uh, after um, Azira Evero had already gotten another job, and you still selected him. Which yeah, I, is that I, what happened? I applaud your... Well, I applaud Mark just being a man of his word and following yeah. through on the yeah. bet. We'll see if Jake comes around to that. Good Tuesday morning to you. Definitely a chillier start here in Indianapolis. Kevin just, Bowen, Mark Dykton. You just Dyketon. earned yourself a six-pack of hams. Congratulations. <laughs> Jake Quarry. Well, those could be shotgun very quickly. Do they still make Strohs? I'm sure some people do. Probably can't, in their bathtubs. Can't say I've ventured into the liquor store for Strohs here. Lately, uh, Greg Doyle, as we said, at 8.30, 9 o'clock, Alex Golden. Uh, gentlemen, well, all three of us ended up being in the building last night over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Part of the reason why I was there is I was going to storm the court if they won the 30th game of the season. <laughs> right. So that's why I was in the building. The big number 30 that you painted on your chest come off this morning? Well, or no? I had the three and Maddie had the zero. Oh. So that's, that's where the 30 was Yeah, for that. Um, that was a wildly entertaining, was, no defense whatsoever. Will Farrell, 50 Cent, Reggie Wayne, Michael Pittman, everybody in the building last night. And uh, Joel Embiid continues to be Miles Turner's daddy. I was, yeah, Joel Embiid was, he is just so big, man. Um at halftime, I was down in the, the food area, and Michael Pittman, I didn't realize it was him, but he was standing next to me, and two little kids, probably, I say little, 
10, 12-year-old kids probably walked up to him and one of them said, can we ask you two questions? And Pittman, to his credit, was like, yeah, what's up? He was just standing by himself. And they said, who's going to be your quarterback next year? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, guys, I don't know any more than you do. You He's know, like, beat it, run. <laughs> and then the other one said, do you like Matt Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you got to respect those kids. They're going to have a good future in radio, right? No. So I, I said to Chris Bowden would say it's a loaded question. That's right. I, I don't know Pittman at all, but I said we've probably both both been asked that the exact same number of times over the last not the Ryan part, but who's going to be your quarterback? But um, week from Friday, by the way, that's when the Matt Ryan uh, seventeen million would hit the books. So by next Friday, you got to give him the old scissors. So that is that the eighteenth. I think it's the 17th. I think St. Patrick's Patty's Day, Day is a Friday, which, whew, there you go. They can have a parade downtown for Matt Ryan, <laughs> right? Uh, they might. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was, you know, it honestly, it reminded me of Purdue-Wisconsin last week in the back-and-forth nature. I don't want anyone to think in any other way, shape, or form I'm comparing Pacers-Sixers last night to Purdue-Wisconsin. But every time I looked up at the scoreboard, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's tied again. Oh, it was... Or, oh, boy, the Pacers are up two, or the Sixers are up two. It was until that fourth quarter when the second units, and they had James Harden in in that second unit, until they went on that little spurt there to stretch it to whatever it was, eight, there's no way that game was played more than, like, a handful of points either way. The one part of the game that disappointed me, aside from the result, I guess, was late in the first half, I think it was Embiid got fouled. They were working... Philly was working the ball around. There was a foul called with 7.7 seconds left in the half, and I looked up, and it was 76 to 76, and there were 7.7 seconds left. And I thought, darn it. What a When you're playing the 76ers, can you not? So close. Just lose a tenth of a second yeah. and have it be 7.6? You're going to blame the clock guy for that? <laughs> yeah. But it was the, the pace of that game. I mean, it was frantic. Like, but it was a long game, too. I mean, Mark can probably speak to this with the girls in the building, but for a regulation game, it ended like, Past nine thirty, yeah. which typically that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, I will so much admit, scoring, so much foul shots. Yeah, and we left with about five and a half or six minutes left. It's like partially to beat the crowd. I hate to say that, but uh, and also just because of the you know the time to your point. But it was wildly entertaining, and I think and Rick Carlisle spoke to this after the game. But the fact that every player in the NBA now, every player in the NBA hits open shots. I, they're just the scoring is just unbelievable yeah you're watching that Sixers team and you're like man that guy can hit threes I know that guy can hit threes I know uh, one, James Harden had almost 20 assists I thought he was I thought he could flirt with the NBA record at one point yeah, I swear he had I mean, like 15 assists by the middle of the second yeah. quarter um 147 143 that's the most points the Pacers have given up and scored this season Tyrese Halliburton 40 points 16 assists. He's the first player in Harden franchise. Did have 20 assists. At, yeah. Well, what is the record? 28, 30? I think it's 30, isn't it? Halliburton, the first player in franchise history with a game of 40 points and at least 15 assists. He continues to amaze as, you know, his time in a Pacers uniform unfolds. I Guys, Miles Turner's had an great great season he signed the contract whatever it was probably a month ago at this time and his play i would say has ascended since he signed the contract which is not typically what you see this matchup he has just got to be so fearful of yeah and and it's hard to knock him for it i I realize that it's easy to say like come on but jakey can't even stay on the floor in the matchup i know 
but it, it's Jalen Smith thoroughly outplayed him against I'm Joel Embiid last night. Jalen Smith actually did play well. Um, but what I'm saying is, uh, there are a lot of players in the NBA that have their hands full with Joel Embiid. There you know are, I mean? but if you want to be known as one of the best defenders in the NBA, I get it. I ask that you stay on the floor. I mean, it was. You watch, he got what, two fouls in the first three minutes? It was almost like the first two times Joel Embiid tried with the ball in his hands. I mean, that he, was when Miles Turner. Embiid averages 33 and 10 a game. Right, right. That's his average. Yeah. Um, now, Embiid is last listed. Night. Let, me, let me ask you this. What would you guess Joel Embiid weighs? I'm going to go with 7'1, 280. Yeah, I'll say 285. He's listed at 280. There is no way that guy's under 300 pounds. No way, right? Well, you watch him move. You're like, I have to go no, play left tackle in the NFL. No doubt. But, I mean, he is massive. I mean, guys, I weighed at my peak. I mean, I'm probably at 215, 220. There's no way that Joel Embiid is only 60 pounds heavier than I am. I mean, he is massive. Did he, he miss a massive. free throw last night? I don't think. He was 15 for 15. No, right? he was 19 of 19 from the line. Yeah. 19 of 19 from the line. Yeah, um, it was obviously clinical by him per usual. Uh, but again, that run early fourth quarter, I thought was the difference. Kudos to the Pacers. Really, really nice moment before the game and a tribute to David Benner. That lasted about a minute or so. Yeah, They put up some really nice photos um, of David Benner's time working for the Pacers, 28 years there. Moment of silence. They left his seat open right there on Media Row. So if you're watching Chris and Quinn, it would just be a couple down from them. Um, I thought a really nice moment in their first home game back since the passing of David Yeah, Benner. and they had a – at his seat, they had a laptop open with his photo on it. Um or a, a like a sheet of paper with his photo on it, and then a photo of he and Reggie Miller. So uh, a nice touch, unquestionably. Um, I thought Jordan Wara gave them good minutes last night. Jake, he's had a really nice couple of weeks here he as has. a Pacer. He has. I he mean, started he, last night with Neesmith out. He's like the found $10 bill when you're doing your laundry, right? You're like, oh, wow, okay. And a little bit more than just like spot-up shooter, which... Agreed, yeah. I, th- I, I think you like to see... Not afraid to slash a little bit. And I thought Jalen Smith, again, gave you some really nice minutes. It seems like, and I like this from Rick Carlisle. We'll chat with Alex Golden coming up at 9 o'clock. It almost seems like they've said to George Hill and Daniel Tice, thank you, we'll need, we'll, we'll, we'll call on you if we need you. Right. And Isaiah Jackson and, J- and Jalen Smith have kind of switched as the backup center, again, with Turner and so much foul trouble last night. You needed both of them. Um, I thought Jalen Smith handled things well. So. I get the feeling with Jalen Smith that they felt like he needed to go through a period to kind of sit and learn a little bit more about what his role is and what he can best do to help the team. And Rick Carlisle was pleased with that maturation or that lesson learned and, and is very happy with the way that he has responded to it. One one final thing, I guess, from me on the Turner front. And again, when you watch Jalen Smith play last night against Embiid, you can kind of compare what Turner was doing to Jalen Smith. Jake, I thought what also stood out to me about Miles last night is I felt like the issues for him defensively were impacting him on the other end. You know, there were times where Embiid, you know, had his way with Jalen Smith, but then he'd go on the other end and he would, you know, stretch the floor and hit a three, or he tried to finish through contact. 
Whereas Miles, you know, he's getting stuffed at the rim. He didn't grab a rebound in 17 minutes out there. He had three turnovers. He had a play late where you were still kind of in it, and he just threw it in the backcourt, and you had an over and back. Um, fully understand Joel Embiid is the most dominant big guy in the NBA, but I'll go back to what I said earlier about if you want to be known as one of the best, you can't let Embiid eclipse his average every time you play him. Fair. I, I, I think Smith, the one thing that Smith does that we're – that Turner doesn't have is Smith is a quicker vertical player. Like he can, you know, there were times where Jalen Smith, if he got the ball down low and Embiid was on him, was able to rise high enough basically to score over Embiid with a hook or, and I don't know that Turner can do that quite frankly. I mean, he, he just is outbodied by him, but it was an entertaining night. Uh, We'll talk more about it. Good morning to you, by the way, on a Tuesday, Jake Query here along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton running things for us as well. We've got uh, a good show lined up, plenty to talk about in the NFL. We'll talk about the Pacers as well, and Greg Doyle will join us on the program this morning. That's just a little over an hour from now. Are we already, did you say close the blinds, Kevin? No, 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 no. Wow. I'm, not, I'm not that crazy. Uh, NBA TV was on behind you. I was hoping for ESPN. I got you. Um, so Mark's going to make a change. There. No, I Speaking of nothing Mark, urgent on it. Can you go ahead and change this over on the right over to Wish TV, please? Yeah, so we sure. Can see if anything big happens overnight. Sure. Right, see if Murder, She Wrote is on another show, too, if you guys want to put that on. <laughs> Matlock. I'm big on Harry Matlock. Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Alf. Did you ever watch Alf? Of course. Alf. That was in my wheelhouse as a kid. Like, Alf, when you look back on it now, you're like, wait a minute. They, they did an entire sitcom around a stuffed animal, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Like the the production quality of that is awful. It's well, then, like Mama's Family. There's another show. It was like a spinoff of Married with Children, but there was like a a sock rabbit thing. Did you remember that show? That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I forget yeah. What that was called. You're onto something here, Mark. I can I can picture it. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Kevin, as you were. What did you think of Will Ferrell there last night, Kev? Well, yeah, Maddie's three favorite moments from the game last night were in no certain order. Uh, the halftime show. That you was get, impressive. Very impressive. The uh, what tum- was the halftime show? The Mark uh, tumbling, probably more than cheerleading, right? You'd yeah, say more of a tumbling act. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of DC, did I say that right? Washington, I believe. So, I, yeah. I, I believe. Uh, Jake, they were outstanding. Um, yeah, I mean yeah, acrobatics and just incredible strength and athleticism and choreography, the whole thing. So Maddie was thrilled about that. Obviously, Will Ferrell and Fifty Cent in the building. It seemed like a lot more Fifty Cent songs from the uh, PA yes. crew last night uh, than I remember. And then she loved Benedict Matherin's shoes. Oh, really? Those shoes were sweet. The, Gre- the, Greg the Bunny? No, that that's not it, is it? Somebody, somebody just sent me that. No, not that Do you one. remember Small Wonder? That was a, a fabulous show of the little girl robot. Benedict had a light pink shoe last night. And so did uh, one of the, I think Daniel House Jr., one of the um, Sixers also did. But yeah, Will, uh, we got there, we probably got into the building like 640, and I had seen the story earlier in the day that Will Ferrell was shooting a rural documentary and it stopped in Beach Grove. So I, I guess I just said, no, I don't know, I didn't even think he would be in the building, and Maddie all of a sudden looks down on the court, she's like, is that Will Ferrell shooting shots down there? And Will Ferrell was like, he was probably shooting on the floor for like 10 minutes he's got a pretty good stroke there and he's jackie moon he better sure he is um what is what is will ferrell's signature movie role mark uh i would say either ron burgundy from anchorman or Step Brothers. kevin i 
I would go there. I, <laughs> I know it's kind of a sick role, but I did really like him in Wedding Crashers. Okay, how about Elf? Yeah. Up the, I think it's Burgundy, though. Frank the Tank? Frank the Tank's right there, too. I feel like it's Anchorman. But those are all. I mean, Ricky Bobby sh- shows you. It's not, it shows you how deep his wheelhouse yeah. is. I feel like you, you have a similar feeling of Will Ferrell that you do with Bill Murray. I have that vibe. Here, here's the thing. I, I think Unhappily Will, Ever After, by the way, is that show. Bobcat okay. Goldthwait was the oh, voice boy. of the guy. Will Ferrell's yeah. got to be one of the most famous people to be in that building in quite some time. Funny you mention that, Kevin. I, I turned around to person sitting a couple of seats over from me who helps facilitate for the Pacers when people like that are here and said, who would you say is the most famous person to come and watch a Pacer game? Not like to participate and not there as like an official capacity, but as a guest of, you know, as a spectator. And it was like, wow, that's a good question. Will Ferrell's very high up there. Then I asked, who is more famous, Will Ferrell or 50 Cent? I think it's Farrell. I think that's... Well, Farrell got in the car to rev it up, and 50 Cent was his pit crew. He, he had to push the car. Did you notice that? That's fair. So maybe that told you everything you need. Which 50 now, Cent, I think, would be an effective pit crew member. Will Farrell. So this is my only... Concern is the wrong word, but what I'm very curious about. And by the way, to answer your question, Mark, it's not that I don't think Will Farrell's talented. I do think he's talented, but he kind of plays the same... To me, it's the same... He himself just kind of looks funny. Like mm-hmm. his face, he has good facial expressions that are funny. Um, so it's not like he really has to act, so to speak. But he's naturally, I think, funny, humorous. Um, this Whatever it is that he is doing, which apparently is a documentary of him driving Route 66 or something along those lines with a friend of his that I believe is transgendered, he was in the Beach Grove Walmart wearing a in Fauci We Trust t-shirt. And it makes me wonder if this isn't all like kind of a Borat type spoof on the people that are in it. And that's maybe not giving him enough credit. I don't know. But we'll see. But they did give him the mic and it was awkward because they gave him the mic at the start of the fourth quarter. And he did a really good job of being a Pacer fan. I mean, he was cheering for the Pacers. He wore, I think he was wearing a Pacer sweatshirt. He seemed like pretty engaged when he, fans, he, you totally. know, wanted to talk he seemed with very him. Nice. And, yeah. No question. But when they gave him the microphone, he started talking, which is cool, and getting the crowd ramped up. But I think they didn't say to him, like, hey, just so you know, like the mic is going to cut off as soon as the game action resumes. And the game action resumed, and he was still talking, and they had to cut his mic off, and it was kind of awkward. Yeah, the power pack, I think, went a dunk too long there and kind of cut off what he was going to say. I think he had some interesting comments that potentially he was about to say there. But, uh, yeah, fun night, nonetheless, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse Thursday. Is that where I'm looking now? Houston for win 30? I I think that's probably right. Thursday night, the Pacers 16 to go here in this season. Again, Greg Doyle joining us at 8.30, Alex Golden at 9. Franchise tag day in the NFL. We'll explain uh, any sort of thoughts Colts-related on that front. We've got Derek Carr to the Saints. Guys, uh, NFC quarterbacks right now, name the ones better than Derek Carr. I've, how about that division? I was at dinner on Saturday with my, my cousin lives in Tampa when I was down for the St. Pete race, and her husband, we were talking about the Bucks, and we were saying in that division, I, I mean, who's the best quarterback? Well, Obviously, he's it's Derek easily Carr the best quarterback yeah, in the no South. But if you just, what? NFC right now, I mean, definitely Jalen Hurts. 
I, I think Dak Prescott. I mean, Geno Smith just got how much from Seattle? Okay, yeah. so you're going to have what Geno. You? You're going to have Goff. It I, sounds I, like I, an all likelihood Aaron Rodgers is going to go. Go to the Jets. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess a healthy Kyler Murray. I mean, Derek Carr could go in there and be like the fifth best quarterback in the NFC. Justin Fields. If I didn't want to say step. it, but yeah, I would. Yeah, say that. I mean, honestly, if he takes a step, right? Yep. But that's, I guess, just a reminder of what the AFC looks like versus what Brody the NFC Coyle. looks like right oh, now um, from a quarterback standpoint. I do think there's a domino effect that impacts the Colts here, and we'll explain that uh, coming up. Um, you guys good for seven o'clock tonight, Notre Dame? Okay. Yeah. Let's crack open some of that uh, Taxman brewing. Oh, well, we're going to have to drink all yours because Jake hasn't brought any in. That's true. The quality of beer that you're going to receive is going down with each comment. Uh, guys, Notre Dame is plus 20,000 to win the ACC tournament. Did you put a buck on it? Unfortunately, I have to wait for the Pacers bet to go in to get money back in the old account there. So <laughs> you'll of, have it by Thursday. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Kevin. I've kind of been this is the this. sign that you're becoming Pete Rose. I've got to wait for my winnings to, in order to wager more. No, yeah. cash out. Go oh, home, man. Yeah. Then you need to put your money on 30 wins for the Reds this year. Ah, well, yeah, I don't think that's going to hit by Halloween if the season went that long. Uh, if you're looking for something to do tonight, I always think it's. It's a great venue. Um, I know that the conference has kind of evolved to not a whole lot of Indiana flavor, but tonight's the final up at the uh, Coliseum for the Horizon League tournament. You've got Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State in that one. Uh, This is always kind of a fun Monday and Tuesday night on the ESPN channels. You get a lot of the mid-major conference tournaments. I think it was, what, is it Kennesaw State that made it that's never been in the dance? Furman made it. They haven't been in since 1980. So I always enjoy before we get to, unless you're Notre Dame and you play on Tuesday night in the ACC tournament, this Monday and Tuesday night is always mid-major night on ESPN and ESPN2. Um, So tonight over at the Coliseum, it will be Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State. So if you're looking for something to do, check that out. That'd be a cool game to go to. I went, um, Steve, that calls in the show, Milwaukee Steve, uh, I took my buddy Sam and his friend to the Horizon League Championship game in 2020. And it was Detroit. I believe it was Detroit and Valpo, I think. No, right, right State maybe. But at any rate, that was the day before the world shut down. We went to that game, and the next day, Rudy Gobert tested positive and... I remember it was like, what just happened? And then I mean, remember like Fred Hoiberg was sick when they played Indiana over at Cambridge Fieldhouse, and yeah, uh, I was over there for I think it was Michigan Rutgers, ironically enough, which will be the eight nine game coming up on Thursday. Purdue will play the winner of that, and they warmed up. I I was there; I was in the building. There was nobody there, hardly anybody there. They warmed up, and then at about eleven forty five is when they decided to call that one. Um, I know a lot of bracket talk this week. Trying to get a bracketologist on to chat about that. If you look right now at Purdue, I think it's really kind of split on how people view Purdue and then UCLA for the final number one seed. I know Joe Lenardi has Purdue as a two seed. Jake, there's a website out there called Bracket Matrix, and they combine all the bracketologists. You know, I know okay. Joe Lenardi's right, the most right. popular one, but they combine all of them, and right now. That website's got Purdue's average seed as 1.42. 
UCLA 1.58. So basically, if you extrapolate that out, uh, Purdue a slight favorite to be a one seed if you base off everybody. It almost seems like two wins, is that enough? I mean, they might need to win the Big Ten tournament just to cement themselves if UCLA goes out and wins the Pac-12 tournament. I, I think that the... You know, a lot of it just depends on who you consider. Like, if you look at the two seeds, who are the two seeds right now? Do you know? I think it's a lot of the Big 12 teams, like Texas and Baylor. Um, I want to say Arizona. Yeah, Arizona for sure would be one, I would think. So if you look at the two seeds, I mean, right now, Arizona, I mean, Purdue is slotted as a two, but Baylor, you said Texas, you're correct. You know, would you rather be the one seed with one of the lower two seeds as you're... I'm trying to think of how... You get what I'm trying to say here, Well, what if you're the one seed... If you're the fourth one seed, because right now you've got Alabama, Kansas, Houston. If Purdue is the fourth one, would they go to Vegas, and now you're paired with UCLA or Arizona as as a a Western team, right. Those are some things to kind of keep in mind with how the bracket plays out. And I just want to remind people, I'm trying to think, Jake, how many years ago the NCAA went away from this. If Purdue is slotted in the West region, which is Las Vegas, that is only for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. That doesn't mean Purdue will go out West for the first two rounds. because they do the pod thing. They still regionalize it early on. So Purdue could go to Columbus next week for the first two games, and then if they were the one seed in Vegas, then they would go out there for the Sweet 16 now, in the Elite Eight. You know, they still list Indiana as a four. Seems to be kind of the, the popular spot. I know. I, I would think Indiana is in the five position. I, but I just don't think that Indiana has shown enough consistency since they slid into that four range to hold on to it. You know, they... they at Xavier's a great win. It Both is. the wins over Purdue. No, I get it. They but they also have some questionable losses. I mean, my point being, at no point has Indiana gotten like a three or four game hold on anything. They they seem to kind of move up and then they fall back a little bit. Then they move up and they fall back. Given the Big Ten history of Indiana, Jake, it's probably very premature to say this, but if they are able to get on a run, and I do think they've got a good draw in that bottom half of the Big Ten tournament, if they can get on a run, potentially win the Big Ten tournament, now all of a sudden you're talking about Indiana maybe being slotted into the Columbus-Louisville region. Part of it is, Kevin, there's just so much. I mean, this year it is so wide open. You know, J&B and I were talking about it yesterday. I yeah, Kansas, Alabama, Houston, okay, those three are obviously very good, but are they really that much better than, say, I mean, do we know how good, for example, you know, Marquette, Kansas State, St. Mary's is a five, you know, UConn is a four seed, is you, I, I, UConn started out 13-0 and or whatever it was, Tennessee, how good is Tennessee, I mean, I'm a team like Kentucky that's young and is now starting to play well, you know, and, and is rising, Kentucky's going to make the Final Four, by the way. Oh, jeez. I know. Boy, that's a hell of a way to start this Tuesday here in Indianapolis. He's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Settle Bowen. Down just a little bit. Mark Dighton with us as well. Greg Doyle, 8.30. Alex Golden at 9 o'clock. Chillier start to your Tuesday morning here in Indy. Thanks for tuning in. 93.5, 107.5. Kevin, a couple of people have asked why. We know why Will Ferrell was in Indianapolis in terms of his documentary that he's doing, traveling the United States. Why was 50 Cent here? That is because of 50 Cent's connection to, I believe it's called Sire Spirits, which he is an investor in or the owner of 
that is one of the spirits that is sold or liquors that are sold at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Last night, both of them in attendance to watch the Pacers and the Sixers. And 147-143 was the final, but Kevin, the reality is that was a frantic pace throughout the course of that game. Highly entertaining, defense optional, the most points allowed by the Pacers this season, the most points they've scored. Tyrese Halliburton, again, continues to amaze. He had, was it 40 and 16 assists, the first player in franchise history to eclipse 40 points and 15 assists in a game. James Harden had 14 and 20 assists. Joel Embiid had 42. Back and forth, again, really, really fun game, but early fourth quarter, six or second unit went on a run with James Harden, and that was a lead that the Pacers could not come back from. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on the loss coming off a of back-to-back. Anyway, this was some game. You know, considering that we're in the second night of a back-to-back, going toe-to-toe with these guys for 48 minutes, I know there's a lot of points scored, all that kind of stuff. I just, uh, I'm really proud of our guys. The beginning of the fourth quarter got us a little bit, and it made it tougher. But uh, proud of this group. Our guys are learning, growing, and tonight, you know, they went head up with a with the champion, legitimate championship contending team, and that's that's meaningful. Uh, Kevin, again, has to wait until probably Thursday to get that win at number 30 and cash in on his preseason wager of win total for the Pacers. Elsewhere in the NBA last night, Donovan Mitchell also a 40-point performance as Cleveland knocked off Boston 118-114. Damian Lillard with 31 last night in Portland's win over Detroit. Other winners, Miami over Atlanta, Denver over the Raptors, and the Sacramento Kings break them up now 12 games over 500. They beat the Pelicans by 15. Going to be a quiet early start to this week from a college basketball standpoint here locally. Ball State doesn't start their conference tournament until Thursday. Um, Indiana and Purdue both play on Friday. Butler is in action tomorrow. Notre Dame tonight. If you look at the Big Ten odds here for the um, Big Ten tourney, Purdue is plus 175 to win it. That is a heavy favorite when you look at the other teams. IU is at plus 450. 50, and then the odds drop all the way down to Michigan State and Maryland at plus 800 from there. Um, would you take Purdue and Indiana versus the field right now in the Big Ten tournament? Why not, right? But well, then again, I, you could equally say what Vegas I take. seems to say that. Yeah, I, I mean, but if I offered you the combo of Michigan State, Iowa, and Illinois, I, you know, that's an equally tantalizing. I mean, I think there are probably six to eight that you could see getting hot, right? It's very jumbled, like the standings, from like three to eight if you look at the odds. Last year we saw, of course, Iowa play an extra game in the Big Ten tournament. It did not matter for them. They won it here in Indianapolis. So starting Friday at noon, that will be Purdue taking on the winner of Michigan Rutgers. Indiana will play the nightcap on Friday at the United Center. That is approximately nine o'clock against Maryland, Minnesota, or Nebraska. And Jacob mentioned a little bit earlier, if you're looking for something to do here locally, the Horizon League Championship up at the Coliseum tonight. It's 7 o'clock tip between Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State. So that is, that's a, uh, is that Norse versus Vikings? Uh, let's see, Cleveland State, that is definitely the Vikings, right? And yes, Norse versus Vikings, that's right. Seems a lot to of, be a very good mascot matchup. <laughs> a lot of wooden ships parked out yeah, front, right? it be a good halftime uh-huh. show up there from the Coliseum. All right, we come back here on Kevin and Corey again. Greg Doyle going to join us in less than an hour. Mock draft season alive and well coming out of the Combine. A couple of Fun interesting 
ones that have the Colts trading up for two different quarterbacks and Mark's Mark's Bears going way back. So we'll chat about that coming up next here. Kevin Aquari, 935-1075, The Fan. So again, last... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Last night, and let me get the exact name of the business in which 50 Cent is involved, which led to him being at the Pacer game last night. Sire Spirits Alcohol is served at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. 50 Cent, one of the investors in it, thus his appearance last night. Good morning to you on a Tuesday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. We've seen a lot of quarterback movement so far yesterday, in, including franchise tagging at the running back position, Tony Pollard in, in Dallas, for example. But Geno Smith going to stay in Seattle. Boy, if you're a Seahawks fan, you're probably like – I mean, Geno Smith had a really, really good season, no doubt about it. I think it's funny that he was comeback player of the year because I'm like, what did he come back from? Yeah. Just not being a regular? <laughs> uh, but Derek Carr now going to New Orleans – so the Colts now enter into the arena of looking for a quarterback, and I know we talked about this yesterday, and we'll talk a lot about it over the next month or so, but Kevin, it feels like ping pong balls bouncing around in terms of which name is most linked to Indianapolis. And let's start with the news of the day yesterday, Jake, and Derek Carr going to the Saints. I mentioned last week at the Combine, the Carr domino is the first one. You know, he was released by the Raiders, was a free agent, could pick his destination, and I think what you want if you're a Colts fan is ideally you would have had Carr and Aaron Rodgers, we'll see what happens with Rodgers, go to teams that are drafting in the top 10. The Saints are not that. The Saints traded their first-round pick for 2023 to Philadelphia last year. Um, so they don't have the 10th overall pick that they would have if they just you know, would have held on to their pick and, and the record that they had last year. So um, I think the hope, if you're a Colts fan, as you were kind of hoping, oh, you know, maybe one of them would go to the Raiders in Rogers' case. Obviously, Carr wouldn't, or maybe Derek Carr would go to the Panthers, um, who they met with. So, you know, when you bring up Seattle, we'll stress this for the next month and a half. Yes, Seattle's bringing back Geno Smith, and yes, Detroit has Jared Goff, but 
both of those teams sit at five and six respectively in the draft order, and they also have another first round pick, both in the top twenty. So they just have a little bit more firepower if they want if they fall in love and they want to move up and, and kind of play that bridge quarterback spot. Um, so I think those are some things to keep an eye on. Obviously, this would spell the end to Jameis Winston in New Orleans. It's my belief that if Matt Ryan was not the Colts starter the last season, it would have been Jameis Winston. I think that's fair, right? Jameis Winston, Gardner Minshew. Are we looking at that as a potential bridge quarterback? Or, you know, when you say bridge, I guess we can get into the debate probably down the road of do you start the rookie from day one? Do you start the veteran? You're going to bring in some veteran, you know, either to be the backup. I, I do not think it'll be rookie and Sam Ellinger. I think we'll have another veteran in the building. Again, I believe Matt Ryan and Nick Foles will be um, cut by the end of next week. Okay, Gardner Minshew. I keep so, telling you. So let me ask you two questions here, Kev. Number one, and to your point, let's let's go back first and revisit this. Matt Ryan probably wasn't even available until Atlanta's late flirtation with Deshaun Watson, right? Correct, yep. And that was post-free agency. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wait a minute, and Matt Ryan wants out, and so boom, he ends up here. So I think you're right about Jameis Winston. But I think the Colts know that the time is now and that at the very least, that if they sign a veteran, it's going to be strictly as a clipboard-holding mentor, okay? But does the... Does the introduction, if you will, or the late entry, let's put it that way, of Anthony Richardson as, you know, all of a sudden this intriguing guy that becomes kind of the fourth quarterback, although Will Levis is another one that people might not think of as being in that top trio, but does the fact that there are now two quarterbacks that became combine stars, notably Richardson, change Indianapolis's urgency to trade up or are they now saying to themselves you know what and again I'm going to repeat this probably every day for the next month people are going to get tired of hearing me say it but if they determine that there's not a huge difference between one to four then they may be okay staying at four and not having to move up and letting you know hey sure if if Arizona wants to trade out, if somebody wants to trade with Chicago to move up, whatever, let all of that happen, and we'll just sit here at four, and at the very least we know we're going to get Levis, Richardson, Stroud, or Young. One of those four. Yeah, I, I understand the thinking. I I just I want to be a little bit more, more choosy, and I get that there's a cost in being choosy. Um, I just... I think it's a tad wishful thinking to assume that all four quarterbacks will be evaluated evenly. No, I think that's fair. But, and of course, I think that's absurd to think they would be. And last week, Jake, I think the NFL knew Anthony Richardson would do something like that. I don't think necessarily... What did I say like two weeks ago? I'm like, I'm telling you right now, Levis and Richardson after the combine are going to be the talk of the combine and you're going to hear about how great they are. I mean, it's how it happens, right? Um, I find these particularly interesting. Uh, Todd McShay from ESPN, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. You guys have heard Dane on with us um, several times. They have both released mock drafts post-combine. Let's start with Todd McShay. He's got the Colts trading from 4-1 to one with the Bears and taking Bryce Young. 
He's got C.J. Stroud then going two to Houston. Will Anderson going three to Arizona. And then he has the Bears trading back again to nine. That brings Carolina, Frank Reich and the Panthers, up to four to take Anthony Richardson. See, my thing with that... Does he offer any compensation? My thing with that is... He did not mention Colts compensation. Brugler does. Should we mention Brugler's? Brugler has a very similar trade, but for a different player. Brugler has got C.J. Stroud as the number one pick for the Colts. The Colts moving up from four, giving up number four, 35 overall, and then next year's first rounder, yeah, which I much. think is too that much. I think is kind of the most common trade package we have heard. That is moving up from four to one to take CJ Stroud. Again, Bryce Young then goes two to Houston, Will Anderson to three, and he again has Chicago trading back a couple I, of times. I, I he's think- got I, I just think Both guys have Anthony Kevin, Richardson going for those. There, there are too many. It's too speculative. There are too many variables beyond anybody's control or knowledge to be able to say like, "Well, this team's going to go from one to four, and then four to nine. And a, I, welcome I, to mock draft season. I, I, no, I get that, but I, but at the same time, we are one of thirty markets that are talking about their team moving up to number one. I mean, it, there's. A, I get you know Ballard's got history with Chicago. I, I get it all. My thing is this. If you move up, if you are the Indianapolis Colts and you move up three spots, and in doing so, you surrender the 35th pick and a first-rounder next year, and you do that to move from a quarterback that you evaluate at an 88 to a quarterback that you evaluate at a 95, sure, I get it. You you like your guy, you go get your guy. Fine, great, wonderful. Do not complain to me in three years when you're like, there's just not enough weapons around them. Yeah, well, it's because you gave up a late first-rounder. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only place you can get weapons. But if you are, it is my belief that if you are drafting a young franchise quarterback, you absolutely imperatively must covet as many high young picks for supporting cast as you can possibly accumulate. And I've seen this movie before. I've seen this movie where the Colts decided to move up to take a quarterback number one overall and sacrifice picks to do it and sacrifice pieces to do it. And then the best thing that you could say about that guy's tenure in Indianapolis is that he is the one person that knew exactly which light bulbs in the Teflon of the RCA Dome were going out because he spent all of his time on the back staring at the ceiling. Period. I just think you have to consider all of those those. Is there variables. an element of the, take the ninety five eighty eight numbers that you just threw out there? Isn't there an element of if you get the ninety five, that means that that guy can help a supporting cast more than an eighty eight can? Fair, it's a fair question, um, but I would also say that because that can be the difference of this quarterback means so much, he's supposed to rise the other ships. He, he is supposed to help out. You're paying that guy. You're taking that guy because he is the one that can cover up some other holes. Andrew Luck was pretty special, right? How much did he and, – and Andrew Luck, they, they didn't surrender pieces to get him. Yeah, I, They naturally had him. I they think, naturally had the number one overall. I think there's other avenues, and Jacksonville to me is a good example of it last year, of Jacksonville – Going into year two, didn't have a bevy of picks. They actually drafted a defensive player with the number one overall pick. 
But yet what they did is they said, okay, our quarterback is on a rookie contract. That means he is very affordable. I mean, look at the money Derek Carr just made yesterday. That is absolutely mind-boggling. But that's the price tag when you want a veteran QB. So when you have the rookie contract quarterback, you're still in a really good financial state at that position to where you can go into free agency, which I know is a foreign thing to Chris Ballard in an extensive manner early on. But that's where you can go out and I think try and support your quarterback if and when you don't have the amount of draft picks that you would ideally like to have. And that's what Jacksonville did last year. And I think it saved Trevor Lawrence's career. Because if they didn't get year two right with Lawrence... Right. No, you're right about that. You have a window, right, to get a right for a quarterback? An absolute bust. So just to go over these a couple... uh, One more time here. Mark, and we'll get your thoughts on the Bears coming up on the other side. But Todd McShay's got Bryce Young, number one overall to Indy. Chicago trading from one to four, and then again from four to seven. So he's got the Raiders, Anthony Richardson to the Raiders. I was going to say, doesn't th- that kind of fit almost? Totally. I was going to say, I thought you mentioned the Panthers before, but yeah, it was the Raiders. Sorry, Richardson to the Raiders for McShay. Brugler has the Panthers taking Richardson. So he's got the Panthers coming up from nine to four to take Richardson. So in both of those mocks, Chicago goes back to seven and nine respectively. Those are big, big drops than the number one overall pick. So we'll get Mark's thoughts on that. Take your calls as well. Get back into what was an entertaining night on and off the floor inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse last night. Greg Doyle, 8.30. Alex Golden, 9 o'clock. Kevin Aquary here on a chillier Tuesday morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Yeah, you had 50 Cent and Will Ferrell in the building last night. Who's to say, you know, Indy can't attract big names? That's right. Show that to the free agents here. Jay Query was in attendance too. So Query was, and I was. You know, three for three. We, all three of us were there, right? Yep. It would take um, you know, quite the star to push Fifty Cent to kind of the B list, but I guess Will Ferrell does that when yep. he was in the building. He's the one that revved up the indie car. Fifty Cent gave him a little push. I didn't know if there was some pit issues. Will there. Ferrell did a really good job of not that Fifty Cent wouldn't have, um, but but Will Ferrell. They kind of made the focal point of the the evening, and he did a really good job of soaking it in. I like you how know, he had he, the my first game pin on. The my, did he really? Yeah, the my first game for the Pacers. When you go to your first game, like my did my really? one year old got the Pacers pin, and <laughs> so did Will Ferrell. Yeah, and I, you know, he That's outstanding. He got on the microphone and fired up the crowd, and then now again they. It was before I believe it was just prior to the fourth quarter. He got on the mic to be like, you know, let's go Pacers. You know, it's fourth quarter time. And then he kept talking and the play resumed. And you could tell they were kind of like, is he going to finish his thought here? Or And I couldn't hear exactly what he was saying, but they they had to 
cut his mic off because the game was resuming, and I don't think he knew his mic was off. Oh, this is awkward. It was very awkward. Perfect. That's off. maybe the best audio drop you've ever had. Mark. Thank you. Well said. Yeah, well, it was a tad awkward, but um, from you know my vantage point, I know I thought Will Ferrell did a great job interacting with fans, and um, again, a star-studded group inside yeah. of Cambridge Fieldhouse, and. Will Ferrell might have done a better job on Joel Embiid than Miles Turner did. Let me, let me read you this real quick. My my current Twitter poll, at Jake Query, J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y, which contains the signature movie role of Will Ferrell. Now, I've got these broken down into groups. I want you guys to tell me which one you think is leading currently. Group one, Elf slash Jackie Moon. Group two, Ricky Bobby slash Chaz Reinhold. That's Wedding Crashers. Group three, Ron Burgundy slash Jacob Magatu from Zoolander. Group four, Frank the Tank slash Brennan Huff from Step Brothers. Which is leading? I'm going to say Frank the Tank, Brennan Huff. I would vote two. Ricky Bobby, Chaz Reinhold? Mm-hmm. But that's, I, I, I don't believe that will be leading. But that's Cur- how I would Currently vote. leading, Ron Burgundy slash Jacob mm-hmm. Magatu. Obviously, that's for Ron Burgundy, I would assume. Entertaining night. It was. Inside of Gamebridge Field. That's 147-143. The Pacers lose to the Sixers. We'll chat more about that coming up with Alex Golden at 9. We've been mentioning these mock drafts exiting the Combine. Again, Todd McShay from ESPN, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. They both have the Colts trading up to 1. In McShay's case, he's got Bryce Young to Indy. In Brugler's case, he has C.J. Stroud to Indy. A couple things stand out to me about what you're seeing here. One... They both have Chicago moving back twice. One of them to pick seven, one of them to pick nine. Mark, too far back for you? No, because the Bears have a lot of needs. Uh, they were a three-win team last year, and while they look like they have the quarterback in place, they need a lot around them, offensive line, defensive line help, wide receiver, all that stuff. So accrue all the picks you can. I mean, you're hoping to not be in this position ever again under Ryan Poles and Justin Fields, so... Get all the picks you can for whatever you need to get. The other thing that stands out to me is, again, they've got the Colts, both of them, trading from 4-1. to one. Obviously, if they were to do that, they would jump Houston at 2. We know the Colts have connections with the Bears. Ryan Poles, mm-hmm. their GM, and Chris Ballard worked together in Kansas City. Obviously, Matt Eberflus and Chris Ballard very close together. Remember, it was Ballard that kind of spurred the hire of Eberflus, not Frank Reich or really Josh McDaniels back in 2018 if you are the Bears though if you look at what each team can offer you Houston can offer you a lot more than what Indy can offer you Mm -hmm. Houston has got I believe it's 12 picks in this draft along with having the number two spot they also draft again I want to say it's 12 yeah they have a 12 I don't think the 12th will be in play if they move up one spot but but wouldn't you, if you're Chicago, wouldn't you just think to yourself, let's trade back to two, get Houston's quote-unquote best trade offer. Then if you want to move back to four or seven or nine, you will then get Indy's nice right. trade package offer or the Raiders at seven or the Panthers at nine. I, I still think to myself, I mean, unless Houston literally says there's two quarterbacks we absolutely love, we'll, we know we'll get either of them at two. But if there's any sort of we think one is better than the others, then moving from two to one makes a whole lot of sense. And again, they've got the best to offer compared to Indianapolis. That's why I think that would be an easier trade to pull off. If you're just moving one spot, if you're Chicago and Houston, you can give the two and maybe the 34th overall pick and throw in like a mid-round 
picked in next year's draft or, or later this year. You can pull off that trade relatively easily and then start fielding calls from the two to move down even further. So I think the Houston-Chicago trade would be a lot easier to pull off than a Allow Bears-Colts Let one. me ask this. It's a two-part question for either of you. Do we know definitively at this point that Justin Fields is a long-term franchise quarterback? There's hope that he is. Do we know it? No. Kevin? Yeah, I, I don't think we know it, but I think there's reason for Chicago to want to continue to build around him. And I feel like Ryan Poles has pretty much said that. Okay. Now, again, he didn't draft him, so that's worth pointing out. This regime, the Chicago regime, did not draft Justin Fields. So I think it's worth mentioning that. But again, it seems like they are content with trying to continue this deeper into his rookie the, contract. The reason I say it, do you believe that Justin Fields, coming out of Ohio State, was more, less, or equal to a sure thing as any of the four quarterbacks that are in this draft? I don't think I would have slotted him above a Bryce Young or even a C.J. Stroud. Okay. Mark? I think he's right in the mix there. Uh, obviously, he didn't have to showcase his legs as much in Ohio State as he does with the Bears, given their offensive line situation. But I think you see both of those things. You're like, well, he's pretty dynamic, and he's much bigger than Bryce Young. My point being... And remember, he went fourth of those quarterbacks in yep. his draft class. You know, but he my fell. point being that he is an example... If, if he is which I believe that he is, right around on par with the four quarterbacks in this draft. Maybe a little behind Young. I get it. But it, it, you could make the argument that he's in that same level of mix as a prospect, and yet, even after th- the number of snaps, we still don't know whether or not he's the long-term guy. Thus, for Indianapolis, for example, Kevin, when people are talking about giving up next year's number one and this and that to move up a couple of spots there is still no guarantee this is the most unscientific position to slot and prognosticate in all of sports period yeah it's i mean it's border it's extremely difficult uh extremely difficult i mean you're projecting not only them to a high level football but again all the pressure that comes with that i would say the reason why i don't look at fields or didn't look at fields maybe as high as bryce young or cj stroud is Again, I like a little bit of mobility. I almost think that Fields is that's his best strength. Is his running. At some point, there comes a time where that just can't be your mm-hmm. your dominant trait, whether that be age, whether that be injury. I look at Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. They both can make plays with their legs, but I think they are better throwers first than Justin Fields. That's why I think this next year for the Bears and Justin Fields in general will be a big point because if now that you have the cap space and the draft picks if you build around them and you still seeing the same results that you saw this last year when they had a bare bones crew then you can move on from justin fields next year and start looking at a quarterback if you're not seeing any kind of progress uh so i think they'll give him the 2023 season give him weapons around him and all that stuff and see what happens and if he seems to regress or not make as much a biggest step as they hope then they'll they'll move on then on this very topic i know john wanted to chat about justin fields john good morning to you Hey guys, it's John, the guy from uh, Arizona. Hey, um, John, is it five ten out there? No, no, it's John. I met you at the at the. Fan oh, case. you went to Arizona. You you yeah, don't live you out there. Okay. Yeah, you you love Matherin yeah. as much as I do. Yep, I forgot yes, about that. Yes. 
Good to hear from Although, you. Although, last night, yeah, you too. Hey, everyone's talking about trading up to number one with Chicago. I think Justin Fields is a very similar quarterback to uh, Jalen Hurts, and Shane Steichen did so well with him. Why couldn't we just uh, trade for him? They get to keep their number one pick. We give them the four and maybe one or two other things. Wouldn't that be a lot less expensive? Well, but if you're Chicago, why would you want to trade away from that that for an unproven prospect? That is true. I mean, that's the variable there. Devil's advocate to that. And, John, thank you for the call. Devil's advocate to that, Jake, you restart the rookie clock for you quarterback-wise. They're about to pay Justin Fields. So, and again, that regime did not draft him. Again, they sound like they're going to retain him, but the devil's advocate approach to it would be you're now drafting the guy that you picked, that you believe in, and you don't have to pay him the amount of money you're about to pay Justin Fields here in a couple years. That would be, I think, part of the reason why you would do that. Um, something to keep an eye on today, franchise tag deadline at 4 o'clock. Jake, we've mentioned this before. The last Colt to receive the franchise tag is one Pat McAfee in the 2013 season. You look at the list of free agents for the Colts, I really don't see anyone that would qualify as a franchise tag player. Again, the franchise tag is the average of the top five salaries at a player's position or 120% of the previous player's salary, whichever is higher. I mean, you don't think any of these are top five players at their position, right? Yannick Ngakwe, Bobby Okereke, Chase McLaughlin? Correct. Did the Colts have any player on their roster? How many players do the Colts have on the roster that are a top Ten player at their position, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I'd say Taylor. I would say Nelson. I would say Buckner. Um, probably Grover Stewart. Yeah, that's good. Um, I thought just in, in in a vacuum of last year, I thought Stephon Gilmore was a, definitely a top ten corner. Gilmore, by the way, was also um, at the game last night. Let me ask you: Did Fifty Cent buy him a drink? Because he could have said that, that one's for this me. one for Mr. Gilmore. You gotta turn on your mic, Jake. <laughs> it's five dollars in the hopper. Did you turn my mic off? But I you, didn't touch your mic. See, you you teed him up for that. I did not. Did I? You threw the alley oop, and Mark I, simply just jumped in. He was like, oh, Jackson. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. He simply just I, jumped I'm, in the I'm air. I'm the one here. It. I'm the one that's guilty of leading him to the water and yep. making him drink mm-hmm. the water that's contaminated. That's yep. my fault yeah, because I did. took you to the mm-hmm. edge. Mark yeah. just had his IndyCar credential on. He forgot his yeah. combine uh-huh. credential there. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let me give you a list of names here, and you you tell me what. Let me read this entire list. Tell me how many of these quarterbacks you think, in the end, were. A great pick for the franchise that selected them. You ready? Tim Couch, Michael Vick, Carson Palmer, Eli Manning. Oh, man, once you're I'm going done, fast here. <laughs> no, I mean, just once I'm done, off the top of your head. Tim Couch, Michael Vick, Carson Palmer, Eli Manning, Alex Smith, Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Those are the quarterbacks that were taken number one overall in the NFL draft since Peyton Manning. How many of them were worthy? Yeah. How many of them were franchise level, carrying a franchise player for the team that selected yeah, them? I'd say right around half, half maybe a little probably. bit more yeah, than right? half. Um, I mean, Couch, no, Vic, eh, maybe Vic 
revolutionized Fair. his position for a while. I, I, Palmer was a very I good mean, player until they got Cam? hurt. He got the Panthers to the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, he was a good player. He's an MVP. I mean, Alex Smith. Eh. Yeah. Staff, Stafford, obviously not for Detroit, but elsewhere. But is that his fault? They, you know, Winston, eh. Goff. Eh. Yeah, to me, it's like less to do with the label of the number one pick and more to if my job is on the line, I want to be the one choosing. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't get this right, you're fired. I think a big part of it is who you got around them, man. The situation they're going into. It kind of goes off of what Beck was talking to me on the phone with. He couldn't stand, but he said, is that reason why maybe Ballard would be hesitant to move up from four because of the pressure that comes with? Like, you better hit a home run with the well, guy that you're selecting. Somebody made a good point to four. me. Somebody, like, hey, made took good, we had. somebody made a good point to me, which is, and it's a really good point, um, the reality of, look, Ballard is probably less worried about what he's got to give up to get this quarterback selection right because if he gets it wrong, he ain't using those picks anyway. Right. It, it, exactly. And again, I think there's an element of if you draft that guy, he is going to be the one that helps out your roster more than others. Um, and you can support him in free agency, which I know is, a, again, a bit of a foreign concept, but there are other avenues to support that quarterback outside of just what you would do with the draft picks that you would trade away. Uh, yesterday we saw, speaking of Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley reinstated to the NFL after his gambling snafu uh, a couple years ago. Calvin Ridley had 1,300 yards with Matt Ryan in 2020. That's a nice weapon for Trevor Lawrence, assuming that he's still in pretty good shape. Yeah, I'd say it is, right? So, yeah, Jacksonville going to add another. Again, with the franchise tag deadline at four, if that comes and goes without the Colts tagging anyone, that means they will have until Monday at noon to try and get deals done with their in-house free agents. We'll go over some of these free agents here the rest of the week. I am not one that thinks the Colts can bring back Bobby Okereke. Um, I think he's a really nice player, but I just don't think they've got the finances. I'm probably a little bit more on bring back Yannick Ngakwe than most. And we can get into that a little you bit more You need Ngakwe, right? Coming up. Um, In my opinion, that sucks. I was kind of waiting, waiting for that. Uh, but yeah, Monday at noon, that is when you'll start to see deals be announced, you know, agreed to terms and all of those, all that kind of phrasing and language Wednesday at 4 o'clock is when the new league year starts, so that is when free agency officially begins. And for those curious about the Matt Ryan situation, next Friday, that is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, is when Matt Ryan is owed an additional $17 million. $10 million of that in a roster bonus and $7.2 million of his 2023 salary. So I would expect Matt Ryan to not be a Colt come next Friday. Nick Foles, also you can save a little bit of money on him. I think it's just a little bit over $2 million. I mean, Foles is gone, right? Yeah. Personally, I don't think Foles and or Ryan really want to be here either. I, I don't know about Matt Ryan. Has there been any update on Foles ever since he got hit in the, against the Giants? Like I haven't heard anything about him. He's still, there, he's still writhing there. around. He's still laying there. Yeah. They're doing snow angels. Yeah, Thibodeau just brought his family out to do some snow <laughs> angels around him. That's right. Uh, and, Jake, I'll throw a couple of these names out there. Ryan Kelly, you save $7.8 million if you cut him. Kenny Moore, you save $8 million if you cut him. I mean... Two guys that I would say are not playing to their contracts. I would say they have not been return on investment at this point, right? We have not seen... 
Chris Ballard operate with veteran cuts. We do see a lot of teams do it. I mean, yesterday you saw the Vikings cut Eric Kendricks, a guy that's been a really nice linebacker throughout his NFL career. You're going to continue to see that over the next week or so. That will add to what the free agency market looks like. Again, the Colts have typically not been that sort of team. But given their cap situation, it's not as abundant as they usually have been in with Chris Ballard. So I do think Matt Ryan saves you $17 million. Obviously, that'll be a big part of it. But you've got a couple guys on your roster that if you're going to be kind of a man of your word and say significant changes are needed after going 4-12-1, those are a couple that I've got my eye on. How about the how about the Tampa Bay Bucks? by the way? They're $57 million over the cap. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have the list right there? I do. Uh, Colts is what, like 11 or 12 in cap space? Uh, the Colts right now are 17th in the league. They have $12.7 million in cap space for this year. So, and we'll get into the free agents, but I don't know if like you stand on the table for anybody in your own building. Chase McLaughlin, honestly, is probably the one that you do. You know what they should do is just get as much cap space as possible, and then Griggs is wheeling and dealing, and go out and get Ricky Jean Francois and Eric Walden and Goster Sherless and Laron Landry, and just break the bank, baby. Orlando Brown, here he comes. Todd Harriman's. I thought Grixon was uh, – I, I enjoyed the interview on, on Friday. He was great. Mm-hmm. For those who missed it, Ryan Grixon, Shane Steichen joined us on Friday from the Combine. Greg, Greg Doyle going to join us here in about 10. Alex Golden coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as the Pacers have a couple of days off before they take on the Houston Rockets coming up. Well, that's another day off, right? Thursday. Well, <laughs> Evan's hoping so. You would like to think that. How many wins are they going to end the season with? I said 32 and 50 at the start of the year. The oh, Pacers or the more, Rockets? They should get about? more than 32, Pacers. right? Yeah, I would hope they get more than 32. Hey, what do you have, 16 okay. to go? Don't they play like the Pistons a bunch coming up? Here's who they have left. Okay. Your Pacers schedule upcoming for the rest of the year. Okay, Houston at home. At Detroit. At Detroit. At Milwaukee. <laughs> Philadelphia at home. <laughs> Keep up here. Oh, at man, Charlotte. Another Philadelphia game. At Toronto. At Boston. At Atlanta. Dallas at home. Milwaukee at home. Oklahoma City at home. At Cleveland. New York. Ooh, Whoa. New York at home. Detroit at home. At New York. 36. That gets you to 36. What's that, a 10-game improvement from a year ago? Gosh, was it really 26 last year? I think it's somewhere in there. It might have been 21 last (laughs) year. Yeah, this time last year was the old, all right, Kiefer Sykes playing 35 minutes here tonight. Great story. Uh, Luckily, the Pacers do not have that this year again. I thought last night, again, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, good to continue to give them some run. I'll give Rick Carlisle credit. Um, did not turn to George Hill or Daniel Tice, so continuing to play some of the young guys with Aaron Neesmith out last night. Let's begin a morning checkdown uh, with the Pacers inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse last night. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, defense was optional. For both teams last night, 147-143, that is in regulation. The Pacers lose the 76ers. Most they've scored in a season, uh, in this season, and the most they've given up this season 
Um, so offensively, uh, no issues. Defensively, a whole lot of them. Again, we mentioned this to lead off. Miles Turner very, very much on the struggling end and trying to even stay on the floor. He fouled out in 17 minutes of action, no rebounds, and three turnovers against Joel Embiid. Embiid had 42. James Harden had 14 and 20. You know the guy that I thought was outstanding for the Sixers early on was Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, really good player. I I thought Jordan Wara was good for Indiana. Had 16 and was kind of scored in varying ways. But again, Philly comes away with a win, 147-143. Afterwards, Rick Carlisle basically said, maybe there's no moral victories at the professional level, but yeah, it was last night maybe one of them. Anyway, this was some game. You know, considering that we're in the second night of a back-to-back, going toe-to-toe with these guys for 48 minutes, I know there's a lot of points scored, all that kind of stuff. I just, uh, I'm really proud of our guys. The beginning of the fourth quarter got us a little bit, and it made it tougher. But uh, proud of this group. Our guys are learning, growing, and tonight, you know, they went head up with a with the champion, legitimate championship contending team, and that's that's meaningful. Jake, the stat line for Tyrese Halliburton last night: forty points, five threes, sixteen assists, and two turnovers. Listen, like he's amazing. How about James Harden with twenty assists? I mean, it was a it was a stat stuff night all the way around for a lot of players. I, I just I think at times I'm like, am I taking Halliburton for granted too much? Yes, I, and I don't mean you. I'm, I think we all do at times, right? And if you're his agent, you simply look at what he does when he's playing versus what the Pacers do without him. Undoubtedly, um, tremendous night last night for Halliburton. As we said, Thursday with the Rockets in town. Uh, the party will extend deep into the night after that one. How at the moon? Do they have good Thursday night specials? I, I tend to think that, that they did back they, in the day. They picked up where Tiki Bob's left off, I think, right? Oh, boy. A lot of security at the front door then. <laughs> Elsewhere in the NBA, by the way, Cleveland, Portland, Miami, Denver, and Sacramento getting wins last night. Miami's win did include 21 from Victor Oladipo. They beat the Hawks 131-28. Uh, tonight, if you're looking for something to do, head over to the Coliseum. It is the Horizon League Championship. Punch a ticket to the dance. It'll be the Norse of Northern Kentucky and the Vikings of Cleveland State. We had an upset last night. Uh, the Penguins of Youngstown me, me. State. Uh, they dropped as the. That's a road runner. No, that's a penguin too. Number one seed. That did sound did a little we, road runner. Do we have a when I Texas with, San Antonio? When I worked at Channel Six with Dave first, any time that Youngstown State or any the Pittsburgh Penguins came into play, he would do a me, me. Dave might be listening right now. If he is, he should call in and do his penguin voice. It's he has a wonderful penguin sound. Do we have? Uh, Sorry, Greg. We can't get to you, Greg Doyle. We have to go to Dave first. <laughs> No, what's that? No, that was a penguin. That was a penguin. That sound like an on the tune penguin. No, that that's that's from like that. That's from the the. What's the game? The the little video game you used to be able to play. With oh yeah, the that one. Abominable snowman <laughs> that plays baseball with the penguins. That's what that sounds like. The hell are you talking about? You know the 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 video. Okay. Oh yeah, the video okay. game. Uh-huh. You know the you yeah. know the computer game, the Elf Bowling that they did like 15 years ago was a big thing. No. And then after that, they came out with people listening right now by the hundreds of thousands are listening, saying, "I know exactly what Jake's talking about." These guys need to get with the program. Then there's another computer game that went that was popular uh, 10 years ago, maybe. Where you have a Woody, which is also an abominable snowman, and he a has what? A, Excuse me. And, and he Boy, plays. Can we he play plays tone low to he get plays us back baseball with penguins that are diving off the mountain cliff. He swings and he hits them, and then you see how far you can hit the penguin. Tonight, I know everyone will be tuning in seven o'clock. Somebody please. Notre Dame and Virginia Tech to get Anyone? the ACC tournament started again. Notre Dame's got to win five games in five nights. I believe um, that they will do that. Did you never do the elf bowling? No. 
I don't know what you're talking about. Butler's Big East Tournament starts okay. Wednesday, Ball State Thursday, Indiana Purdue on Friday. Uh, Greg Dolph and the Apple Star, he joins us next. All right, let's head to Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. The Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg Doyle from the Indianapolis Star is going to join us right now. Good morning, Greg. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm just fine, thanks. I don't say well, though. I'm doing good. I don't say well. I know well is proper. I don't say proper. I don't. Oh. I don't. I, I break rules, Kevin Bowen. I break them. Well, certainly you, you do. You know, You're actually very Greg, unique riding style, and that fits with Indiana. I think I say good a lot over well I, too. Here's the thing. I believe that you would say I am. You could say I am doing well. Or, I'm sorry, you would say, I am well, but I'm doing good, and both are grammatically correct, right? Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't like well. I don't like well, I, unless it's liquor, and then I like it because it's cheaper. I'm a, I'm a cheap, I don't, I, my, my palate is not good. So, in fact, when I order a drink, which isn't often, that has vodka or whatever in it, um, they'll say, would you prefer this kind of that kind? And I said, what you got, what's cheap? I, I don't really care. Yeah, so, when it comes cheap. to vodka... I, I've always believed, Greg, they're they're all kind of the same. People are probably going to yell at me on that, but you know, in term in terms of the governmental formula to make it, it has to be the same thing, right? I I don't know enough about it to know. All I know is that all that matters to me is what are you going to mix with it? Because if I'm drinking vodka straight, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, if you mix something with it, yeah. If, if you mix something cool with it, by the way, I found this great drink. Uh, I was drinking with my girlfriend last last week. It was um, what do you call it? Uh, orange. Cream Dream, made by TGI Fridays. It looks like a creamsicle. Have you ever heard of that? Well, I, I love TGI Fridays. It's a TGI Friday drink they put in a bottle, and I bought it like a sucker, and I like it. I can guzzle that stuff. Well, as I try to make somewhat of a transition, how about um, the Wells vodka approach to the Colts? Should they be going for Wells, or should they be going top shelf when the draft starts here in about a month and a half? The problem is, Kevin, that's a great segue. We don't know who's on that top shelf. Like We, we know that we know that Bryce Young can't reach the top shelf. We know that much. You put something up there, he's not. It's like that commercial with Trey Young, where he goes, and I love it. Like Trey Young is the coach killer, and you know you you can never trust the sweet looking people because they're always the coach killers. But he's a coach killer. But that commercial where he, he can't reach something, and John Quell Jones reaches it for him, and he kind of sighs and goes, "Thanks, John Quell." I love that commercial, even though I don't like Trey Young. Um, however. Bryce Young would be that, like, thanks, thanks, Anthony Richardson. But I'm not sure which one's the top-shelf guy. Greg, I think the thing that, to me, is intriguing, and I want your thought on this, this is what I've been talking a lot about this week with Kevin, is that, in my opinion, and I don't know, I don't know if this, this is a draft. The first thing that I think I'm intrigued by, and I want your thought on this, is this a draft that has, let's say, three to four quarterbacks worth taking in the first round or is it a draft that is so void in the first round that quarterbacks are moving their way up because there are so many teams needing a quarterback regardless of whether or not those quarterbacks merit being a franchise guy 
No, I, I actually think this is this is one of the good ones because I, I remember last year. Last year was a year with no quarterbacks. And so Kenny Pickett, I guess, went first, and Desmond right. Ritter went whenever he went. Um, last year, and, and last year, everybody, and, and Malik Willis, last year, everybody was saying, but wait till next year. So I, I, it feels like these quarterbacks are legit, and people thought they were legit for years. Now, Bryce Young's height is weird. Anthony Richardson's level of rawness is weird. Will Levis's year that he had after the great first year at Kentucky, his second year, that's kind of weird. Um, by the way, when I said earlier, I'm not sure which one's the top shelf guy. I, d- I don't mean to imply at all that I think they're equal, meaning Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. I, I have, I, what I'm saying is I have no idea. I, you know, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not supposed to. You know, draft mix will say, well, this guy, pe- people that think they know, you don't know. Like, you don't know. Chris Ballard doesn't know. If Chris Ballard knew that we, you know, it'd be over. We'd, we'd, there'd be a trade or whatever, he'd, he'd be getting them right now. He'd get the number one overall pick because he'd know. Nobody knows. It's a big crapshoot. Uh, all I know is this. The one guy I don't want, because he gives me combo vibes of Sam Darnold on the field and Josh Rosen behind the microphone, is Will Levis. If you remember, Josh Rosen got drafted 11th or whatever, said, all I know is there's 10 teams taken that are going to be sorry about this. And I wrote about it then in real time. I wrote in real time, like, that's not, you know, you just blew it. Like, whatever you just said, you, nobody wants to hear you say that. You're an idiot. That was the same year the Colts had a lot of draft picks that all said, I'm the next this, I'm the next guy. I think it was Therese Fountain that I'm the next Jerry Rice or something. So I wrote this thing about how these draft picks, it's like they think their job is to talk up themselves. Like, no, you're not, you're not all that good. Anyway, Will Levis sounds like Josh Rosen, and he plays like Sam Darnold. And he's going to go fourth overall to the Colts over my freaking angry body. Will he do that? But here's the thing, Greg. Number one, I have heard that Ursay likes him a lot. I have no idea how valid that is, but you know, somebody told me that. But for the Colts, they have to simply assess if they are sitting at four. I think the Colts' job is to determine which is a greater number. The the drop off one to four in terms of their four quarterback rankings or the the number of talent or or impact they would lose if they were to have to give away pieces to move up two or three spots. And that, to me, that's the biggest question mark for them heading into the draft, if that makes sense. Because I I get what you're saying about Levis or whatever quarterback you don't want them taking it for. However, I don't want them giving up a future number one and a late or you know a, an early second round pick just to move up two spots. Well, here, here's the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is they get the right guy. It is that they identify the right guy, which is hard to do. I don't mean to imply that. If, and if Chris Bauer can't do it, he's bad at his job. It is the, the NFL draft every year is full of scores of teams that don't know what they're looking at. Tom Brady and Brock Purdy are two obviously different examples, but two pretty clear examples that we don't know what we're looking at. And Jamarcus Russell, we don't know what we're looking at. They don't know what they're looking at. They they guess and they and when they get it right, they've been explained what they were looking at. Like, yeah, I knew. It's almost like picking your March Madness bracket when you've got three teams in the Final Four and you act like you knew you knew. You didn't know. You got lucky. I mean, that's all this is. You get lucky. So my point is this. If he gets the right guy, if he does, how's this for a question? Do you have any idea what Kansas City gave up to get Patrick Mahomes? Do you have any idea? No. And does it matter? No. They won two Super Bowls. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you give up if you get the right guy. I don't disagree with that, Greg, but but my fear is this. Sometimes the difference between the right guy and the wrong guy are the pieces around them. And quite frankly, I don't think the Colts have very good pieces. And they need more good ones. 
That's yeah, my concern. There. I'm with you there. I am with you there. And, and the thing is, it's all hypothetical, and so we'll never know. And so, on the one hand, I like to say this with assurance, like I know, but I hate hypotheticals. But, like, what would Patrick Mahomes look like with this Colts offense? I think he'd look pretty good. I, I'm not saying he'd be – he'd look like Matt Ryan. He'd be replaced by Sam Ellinger. No, no. I think Mahomes would be pretty good in this offense. But, what would he, but you're right. The pieces matter. Um, now, that said, quarterback is the one job, the one job in the NFL where your job is to make everybody around you look better than they are. And, and so when, when the, a great quarterback leaves a team – all of a sudden you realize a receiver that had 80 catches for 1,200 yards isn't all that. Um, so I, I don't know where the answer is on this, but I, I do believe that the Colts, if they get the right quarterback, the pieces will just, A, the pieces will look better than they are, and B, if they get the right quarterback, free agents will want to come here. You know, They used to want to come here when Luck was here. They wanted to come here. They haven't wanted to come here in a long time because they don't know who they're playing with. If, they, if, if Bryce Young is that guy, next offseason, free agents will come here. Okay, and Greg Dola from the Indianapolis Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I do want to move on, but one more on the quarterback front. Greg, I know you were over there listening to the QBs um, last week, and I do think last week was a big separator for the Colts in terms of what are these guys like kind of neck up? You know, how are they wired personality-wise, all of those things? That can be a huge separator. Just purely from what you observed, who did you like the most? Okay, first of all, I do want to say this, because people might poo-poo that idea. But Chris Ballard came out and said it, said it, not on the podium when the GM spoke, but he said it to a handful of media, and I know you were there, later off to the side. He said they are going to listen to these quarterbacks talking to the media. They want to know how do you handle questions because you're going to be the face of the franchise, right or wrong. If we pick you fourth, third, second, first, you're the face of the franchise. If you can't handle yourself in front of questions, that's a problem. So they, they, the Colts actually had, there was maybe 10 or 12 cameras focused on the podiums when the quarterback spoke last week. Only 10 or 12. There's 32 NFL teams. Of those 10 or 12 cameras focused on the quarterbacks, several of them were TV, ESPN, NFL Network, local TV, whatever. The Colts had a camera there. They, they were filming that. And again, there's 32 NFL teams. There weren't 32 NFL cameras there. So the Colts were, they're serious about this. So now you're asking me, which of those, those guys did I think were the best? Let me, let me go back to one thing. I, I didn't like the way Will Levis came off. Hey, Will, why are you throwing? Because I have a cannon and I want to show it off. Like, some people confuse leadership with talking like that. It's why I hate today's version of leadership, which is LeBron. I love LeBron. But LeBron will say, as a leader of this team, don't say that. Take those four words out of your vocabulary and then say whatever comes next. I've got to play hard. As a leader of this team, I've got to play hard. How about you just got to play hard? Don't tell us you're a leader. Show us you're a leader. Well, Levis, don't tell us you have a cannon. Show us you have a cannon. Uh, anyway, so having said that, the other three guys are comp- well. Bryce Young was confident, but in a very, in a very humble "I love you" kind of way. PJ Stroud was was confident in a in a just a great like I want you in my foxhole. I just think you're a cool guy and you're you're charming as hell. Anthony Richardson was kind of this quietly confident. Like I know what people are thinking about me. You know, all I can tell you is when, when they ask when the time in the forty, it's going to be fast. Yeah, but how fast? Fast. You know, I, I, I loved I loved all three of them. They were so different. I loved all three. You're asking me which one I liked the best. Um, honestly, just the way he came off and the, the, the combination of confidence, humility, I believe you believe what you're saying, and I don't think you're trying to talk yourself up like Will Levis. I, believe, I actually believe you. C.J. Stroud. Yeah, he definitely left that impression on me as well. Um, all right, March is going to be a lot about IU and Purdue for you. If I said better chance Purdue makes the Elite Eight or IU makes the Sweet 16, where are you going? 
uh, Purdue in the Elite Eight. Purdue, now the thing is, Purdue's got to figure out, fix whatever's gone wrong. You know, I, I got a lot of heat when I went to the Purdue game against Illinois, and I, I, I you know, I don't really understand it. They, they've lost four of eight, and yes, IU has lost three of six, but IU didn't start the year 22 and one, okay? Purdue was 22 and one, and they've lost four of eight. And they beat Illinois, but they blew a 24-point lead. And go back and rewatch the last couple minutes and look at how the whistles went. That was that was a, they won that game because it was at home. Okay, that's the only reason they won that game. March Madness, you're not at home. Now I happen to like Purdue a lot. I've got a track record here that says I've been very, 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 very positive of Purdue. I've got IU fans mocking me on Twitter for years, calling me Purdue Greg. They think I like Purdue so much. So I think, unless you're just unhinged, I've got some credibility to say Purdue scares me because. They've been utterly beatable in the last – even some of their wins have been – you know, Matt Painter will tell you. He will tell you the final score in March at, and the tournament, it matters, survive in advance. But in these games right now, trying to suggest what they are, the final score is not as important as how well you're playing. And they're not playing well. That said, I've seen them beat everybody for about three months. I've seen Zach Eady for all year be a, a guy you can't stop. And if he doesn't get in foul trouble, and he rarely does, you, you can't stop him. All they need is one guy – maybe two playing pretty well beside them, and, and you can't beat Purdue. Greg, I think I Indiana's in the there. same position, aren't they? I mean, Trace Jackson Davis has been dynamic all year, and when they get secondary scoring out of their backcourt, now I know Race Thompson can give you 15, but out of their backcourt with to, to keep defenses thinned out a little bit, whether it's Jalen hood Shafino, who obviously is a, a very good talent, or the combo of Galloway cop on the wings to me that is Indiana's Braden Smith Fletcher lawyer if those guys are consistent throughout the course of a game you're really hard to beat but it's the same formula for both teams those shots aren't falling from the outside you collapse in and you double Edie or Jackson Davis and you let them get their 28 and you you take your chances elsewhere it seems like the same formula for both yeah but where I see the difference is and I wrote a few weeks ago that Trace Jackson Davis, you can make a strong argument for him Big Ten Player of the Year, that in Big Ten play, his numbers are right there with Zach Eady. So I'm not a tra- – I love Trace Jackson Davis. However, between the two, Zach Eady is more likely to put up 35 and 20. Well, I, so I no think, argument there, yeah. Right. So on the one hand, between the two, Purdue's dominant player is can be more dominant than I use dominant player, A. And then B – Purdue's got more guys that can help. They, they, you know, IU's got two or three guys, and if just one or two of them get hot, that's good. Purdue's got like seven or eight guys, and they just need two or three of them to get hot. I think Purdue's depth of talent, players four through nine, is much better than IU. Like, IU doesn't even go nine deep. Like, Caleb Banks is their eighth guy right now. George Ronald can't get on the court right now. The, the, the players they have trying to help out aren't nearly the caliber of Purdue's players. So that's why I think Purdue's got a higher ceiling because they, they have more options to help Edie than IU does to have help TJD. Greg, last one for me. I know high school boys basketball tournament time, I feel like you always come up with a pretty unique story. Um, anything you can share on potentially anything on that front or just something you're working on here to keep an eye out for? Man, I love your setting me up. and I don't really have anything high school-wise, but I do have one that I, I'm hoping happens. I'm going to actually send a text message out today. Um, it involves, and he doesn't even know I'm doing this yet, but it involves Quinn Buckner. Um, so, Quinn, if you're listening, that'll be me texting you pretty soon. I have a question I want to ask Quinn about something happening around the country, I'm not going to say where, in women's basketball. I think if I'm right about this, if, if Quinn 
anyway, that could be a really special story. So I'm working on that, hoping on that. If nothing ever happens, delete this. It never happened. Delete your, and then when you're done deleting this, delete your account. Is this Terry Morin related or more national? Yeah. Okay. Here's here's the bottom line. Okay, I'll tell you what the hell. Um, Boy, and, you, and I'll, so that's a bit soft by you to just cave like this. Yeah, I'll tell you what the hell. Well, because I, I kind of like consider me a dog lifting my leg on this. I'm I'm claiming this story. I'm claiming it. <laughs> yeah. And if nice image here on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> well, and if anybody out there is listening and they want to go head head with me on this story, bring it. But I'm claiming the story is mine, so it's mine. Leave it alone. Um, I'm going to ask Quinn Snyder. I'm sorry, Quinn Buckner. Does Grace Berger remind you of you? Because I think Grace Berger plays. I've heard from people that saw Quinn in, in college. Actually, that that they're the same, same players. I've already compared Grace Berger to Jalen Hutchinson. They're both big, strong point guards who play at their pace and can get their points. But they're they're great at setting everybody else up. And what I understand is that was Quinn Buckner on the 76 Hoosiers. He's an NBA guy. He's a great player. But he was a big, strong point guard who set everybody else up around him. If I can get Quinn to tell me, yes, Grace is just like me, not only that, but she and I have talked you know, five times over the last year. I, you know, I'm her mentor. Who, who knows? I don't know. That's how I get my story sometimes. I get these ideas, and I throw a line, a line in the water. Sometimes it nibbles, and I catch a, a big old shark. And then sometimes, sometimes the, the 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 fish takes the the bait and pulls me into the water and drowns me. So you know it doesn't always work out, but that's what I'm going for. Okay, how about this, by the way, Quinn Buckner, Jerry Lucas, Magic Johnson, and I think there may be one recent that I'm missing, but they are the only guys in basketball history to have accomplished what, Kevin? You know, is it Olympic Olympic gold, NBA championship, NCAA title? And there's one hey. more high school title. High that school. That was gonna be my guess too, and I wonder who the fourth guy would be. Uh, I, I was trying to. Th- I, I, I'm fairly certain it was done. It, it's kind of harder now, Greg, to remember because well, first off, in college, you know, so many guys are one and done, right? So yeah. to find the college champions tough. It wasn't Carmelo though because he didn't. Win, I don't believe he won an NBA ring, right? No. But well, I'm, I mean, did Oak Hill Academy, did, did they win yeah, a state I mean, title? exactly. By the way, Greg, somebody just sent me a text and said, can you please ask Greg if he's driving any athletes to the airport anytime soon? Ha! Um, do I have anybody? How about this? Uh, if I've not made it clear, Will Levis, if they draft him, I will show up on draft day and say, Will, here's your Uber. We're going back to the airport because we're, we're flying you to Tampa Bay because we don't want you here. And I hate that. Listen, I've gone too far on Will Levis. He could be a great guy, okay? You he, thought the Cannon comment know. was that bad? It was unnecessary. It was just. It was. It was unnecessary. I. You know. It, again, some people listen. We all have our different style that we like of leadership, of charisma. Some people like being told, "Hey, I'm great." Some people hear LeBron say, "As a leader of this team," and think that's the way you do it. I just don't think that's the way you do it. I just don't. Um, I'm not. I don't expect everybody to agree with me. But same as Josh Rosen. 11 teams are going to be sorry. Yeah, Josh, you're on your 12th NFL team right now. You're actually in the XFL. How about you do something? Like, Will Levis threw, I don't know, almost as many picks as touchdowns. Like, he had a bad year. I don't want to hear how good you are. Tell me, you know, so. Well, he puts mayonnaise in his coffee, which to me is automatically a disqualifier. But I, I will say Aaron Rodgers had one of the great draft night quotes of all time, though, when he was drafted. 
San Francisco, which was his hometown area, bypassed on him. He falls in the draft. He goes to the Packers. How disappointed are you San Francisco didn't draft you? Not near as disappointed as San Francisco is going to be that they didn't draft me. That was a hell of a comment. But it took years for it to be a hell of a comment because retroactively it could have been a disaster. Can not go either that, way. But 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 he's the he's the needle in the haystack. I it's agree. Not, hey, and I don't know you're not saying this, but I know people out there listening going, yeah, if it's okay for Aaron to say, it's okay for Levis. Yeah, one of these things is not like the other. One of these is is arguably the greatest top five quarterback of all time. The other guys that got through 15 picks at Kentucky last year will show me something. Shut up. Craig, thank you. I love being on, guys. Thank you. Bye. It's Craig Doyle right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Kevin asks, didn't C.J. Stroud say his idols are Deshaun Watson and Michael Vick? I did think he threw in there Joe Burrow as three quarterbacks that he... I, I don't know the exact phrase. I don't know about idol, but three QBs that he enjoyed watching growing up or something along those lines. Jake, I feel like I mentioned this last year with Purdue, but I think it's more the case this year and something we'll talk about certainly next week. But something that I think will really help out Purdue come tournament time is you can't sniff replicating Zach Eady in practice. The Big Ten teams have seen Eady at least to some degree before this season. You know, not the amount of minutes he's played. And look how the conference has reacted to him, obviously. They had their issues with him all year long. But I do think that can be a key separator for Purdue. It's, man, it's one thing to put a broomstick up or whatever. You've got the 6'9 assistant coach, and you're going to try and do something to try and simulate what facing Zach Eady is like until you really feel him in a game setting. You aren't going to know it. Right. So how much can Purdue rely on that, and how big of an advantage can that be for Purdue uh, starting next week? All right, we'll ch- uh, chat some Pacers with Alex Golden coming up in about 10 minutes. Alex Golden going to join us a couple minutes before he does so. Kurt. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. I've been waiting patiently to talk a little Pacers joins us on the line kurt good morning to you good morning from sunny arkansas how are you guys doing? is it sunny there it is it's over we got 70, 72 nice <laughs> wow not sunny here what's on your mind kurt <laughs> hey i'm i was going to say i'm representing hoosier state well i had a nice friendly wager with my boss who would end higher ranking in the coaches poll indiana hoosiers or arkansas razorbacks so i'm looking for the most expensive lunch option now <laughs> <laughs> that's Let's see here. Our Arkansas had injuries, though, right? Yeah, they did. I don't think Bruce Chris is open for lunch. I'll have to find another option. (laughs) The must bus derailed a little bit this year, right? Yes. So um, I had a quick question. I I know we can dream for the the Pacers draft pick, and I am kind of rooting for Orlando to keep doing well because, honestly, I'd sort of prefer us to get down into the five spot. But if you guys could refresh our memories – I don't remember what those percentages are on the lottery pick, but if we could dream, I mean, think about Halliburton at the point, Buddy Heald, Matherin, and I guess Victor would be a four. He's kind of positionless. 
with Turner. I mean, how you talking about Web? You talking about Victor Webb and Yama, right? Yes, uh, he yeah. plays wherever you can get a spot for exactly. Him. Yeah, Kurt, exactly. on, on those percentages, and thank you for the call, um, I think right now they're like number um, – if you're if they're sixth – I remember this looking this up a couple weeks ago. If they're sixth in the draft order, you have like a 40% chance at a top four pick, and I want to say the number one overall pick would be like a 9 or 10% chance. And, and like he was saying, Jake, Orlando is right there at five, so you can bump up those percentages a little bit if you get to five. On the reverse of that – I mean, the Pacers are really jumbled with a lot of teams behind them. So that's why if they do start winning, those odds would shrink big time and they would get later in the lottery. But I think right now, at 6th, I want to say it's just under 40% to get a top 4 pick and then right around 9 or 10% to get that number 1. Now, as of right now, however, in the NBA Draft Tankathon, when we do a quick simulation... Hold on. Come on, Mark. I can't read your mind. If I could, I'd be a very, well, I don't know about rich man, but I'd have a little better idea of what this is. You let me know do. when you're ready and I'll hit the button. I am. We'll get to Alex Golden at 10.15. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Okay. Here we go. With the seventh pick in the 2023 NBA Tankathon, the Indiana Pacers select Cam Whitmore from Villanova University. That would be with the seventh pick. They currently sit at sixth, so they would be dropping a spot. Yeah, the thing you notice about these mock drafts is there are a lot of wing type six seven six eight You're six right. nine. And Jake, I say this every NBA game, but last night was another reminder. I mean, look at a guy like Jaden McDaniels for the Sixers last night. It just seems like every time the Pacers play somebody else, a key thorn in their side in that game is like the six eight athletic right. wing that just keeps on making. Plays Nick and- Smith of Arkansas would be eighth, by the way, speaking of Arkansas. And again, I'm going to go back to um, overwhelming word is that it's a draft with three camp misses. Webinyama, Henderson, and probably Brandon Miller. Character issue there, maybe. Uh, and then after that, kind of a crapshoot. Continuous conversation next with Alex Golden. It is my birthday. Not literally my birthday, September 3rd, but it is 9.03. In Indianapolis, Jake Quay along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I was hallucinating there, Mark. I was like, I could have sworn we just had the party of a century for him. Uh, well, you guys did do a heck of a job with that, which was much appreciated. Uh, Alex Golden joins us to talk a little Pacers. Alex, we'll begin with this. Speaking of party of the century, is Kevin going to be having one Friday morning after the Houston Rockets get him his coveted 30th win for his over-under preseason bet? Yeah, I think so. The Pacers definitely want to win this game, too, since they have the Rockets second-round pick if it is the worst record in the NBA, I think, or 31-32. So, yeah, KB, you should be ready to storm the court there uh, for the Rockets game. I think it's going to be a hands-down easy win. But we did just see them lose this first Thursday. (laughs) Hey, I I was ready last night. I thought, you know, a lot of security towards Will Ferrell, 50 cent. Here's my chance to, you know, maybe sneak down there. Um, I I do want to get into the detail that you just mentioned there that I think is lost on a little bit of the fan base in terms of what the Pacers have draft pick-wise. We know they've got their own. We know they have Boston and Cleveland's, and in all likelihood, those two teams are making the playoffs, so they're going to be somewhere in in, in the 20 range. So you've got those three first-round picks, but fill us in on what the Pacers have potentially with Houston's second-round pick, and I think that matters because you think of where Andrew Nemhard was taken last season. 
Yeah, so the Rockets finished with the worst or second worst record. So 31 or 32 in the second round, they will get that pick. If it's uh, the third worst record in the NBA, then they won't get that pick. So it'll be somebody else's. I'm not sure who is, but I know for the Pacers, it's got to be the worst record or the second worst record. That's the protection on it. But they also did pick up another second round pick, which is kind of crazy. And that was uh, that was Cleveland's and one of the trades they made, I think, with Milwaukee. And that's around pick 56 right now. So they're going to have five picks in this draft, which obviously I'm not going to use them all, but uh, it's still nice to have that ammo. And right now Detroit has the worst at 15 and 50. Houston is right there at 15 and 49. San Antonio at 16 and 49. So on the cheering for things over the next month and a half, that is a really weird parameter on that draft pick, but cheer for Houston to lose because if they finish with one of the worst two records in the league, as Alex said, then the Pacers would get either the first or second pick in the second round. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, the Pacers do play the Pistons three more times this uh, the rest of the season. So if they have to position themselves for that pick to land i mean don't be surprised if they do that alex one of the things that to me becomes a question mark i was thinking about this last night kevin made mention earlier to this time a year ago we're seeing Kiefer sykes get a ton of minutes right and when a team is not very good and the pacers have upside but they're not very good obviously then once the year is obviously a wash, you start seeing guys get minutes, and then you ask yourself, are these guys getting minutes because they're really good players or because they need somebody to get minutes and thus they get points? I look at like Jordan Wara, for example. Is he a guy that you think that is a legitimate, let's take a look at him and see what we have moving forward piece? Or is he a piece that is getting minutes right now and getting starting minutes because they acquired him for not much and they need somebody on the floor? Yeah, I think, honestly, it's a little bit of both, Jake. And I think that, you know, taking war with his contract with George Hill, Serge Ibaka for that trade, I mean, it was to take a flyer on this guy. Now, he does have another year under his belt uh, with his contract for next season. And O'Shea Brissett is going to be an unrestricted free agent. I think both players kind of are similar in what they play. I think there might be a little bit more upside to uh, Jordan Moore here, so I think that's where you can maybe see the Pacers were looking at some insurance for O'Shea Brissett if he does leave in free agency or if they decide to move on from him because there's a lot of guys on this roster that, you know, we want to see them play more when they're young. They they fit a certain bill, and we're trying to figure out how they are. So, I mean, since he's been traded here, I think he's put up points, like you said. Uh, if you look at plus-minus, which over at Carlisle looks at, he's been a minus seven. Uh, he's been a minus, um, and that's over the last six games, I should say, since the All-Star break returned. So, you know, he's playing, he's playing well, shooting 40% from three. I think Carlisle likes that, 51% from the field. There's a lot of interesting things about his game that I like, but I, I think with his size, that's a position of need. It's not just because, you know, he's uh, putting up points. I, I think that there is something there, but I think moving forward, I've been – kind of said this about a lot of guys on this team, but I, I don't think he's a starter long-term. But I definitely think he, he could be a rotational piece moving forward. Again, it's at Alex Golden NBA on Twitter. Setting the pace is the podcast. Alex is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, I, I'll give credit 
to Rick Carlisle. I mean, it seems like for now, George Hill and Daniel Tice are going to be on the bench, and he's not going to play those two, and he's committed a little bit more to the youth here. One aspect we have not seen yet, Alex, and you know, to be totally fair, I was not clamoring for this all season long. I thought it was something they should do post-All-Star break. They have not done it, and that has put Benedict Mather in the starting lineup next to Tyrese Halliburton. It, Am I overreacting to that, or do you view that as kind of a wasted opportunity to close out the season and you know putting your backcourt of the future together here for the final 15, 20 games? Yeah, I think almost every Pacer fan wants to see this with a larger sample size because a lot of the times when Ben has started, Tyrese hasn't been out on the floor. So it's one of those things where I understand the chemistry between Buddy and Tyrese. They've been playing pretty good basketball since the All-Star break. I know that you know maybe some fans, myself included, were looking more towards the draft and, and the lottery and that kind of thing. But as players and, co- and the coaching staff, I think they're still trying to push for uh, a play-in chance because the guys want that opportunity. We had Aaron Neesmith on our podcast last week, and he said that they really want to get there. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of determined to do that. So I don't really anticipate any changes being made because of the chemistry that Buddy and Tyrese have. But I totally agree. I think that – just getting even a 10-game sample size, maybe the last 10 games of the season, would be really beneficial just to see what you have here. Um, I, I think against the Spurs when, when Halliburton didn't play, Mattern only played 15 minutes, and I know there were some concerns about that. People were kind of confused by that. and you know That was just a bad game overall for a lot of guys. But, yeah, I think at the same point, though, KB, we really do need to see what this pairing can be, especially – if Buddy Heald is not going to be here long-term because we know he's going to be an expiring contract next year, I think you kind of want to know what you got going into the draft uh, with those two guys starting and what those numbers could look like, even if it is just a 10-game sample size. Do you think, Alex, that, that the Pacers' roster is such that they have put themselves in position to simply draft best player available at this point? Do you feel like they have enough kind of boxes checked that they can say, we're just going to take the best guy on the clock? Or is there a specific area that they have to go out and get? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this draft is very wing-heavy, and that's where they really needed to get players at, at the wing position. So, yes, I, uh, I definitely do agree that you always take the best player available when you're drafting, especially high. But – for instance, let's just say they ended up getting like the second overall pick. Do you take Scoot Henderson, who's six foot two, another guard, when you already have so many guards in the rotation, or do you maybe look to trade back a pick or two, kind of like we saw with Atlanta and Dallas when Dallas traded up to get Luca, Atlanta traded back to get Trey Young? Do they do something similar to that, where they can maybe find themselves at three or four and look at a wing, particularly Brandon Miller, somebody like that? that fits what they need more. So I think, you know, they've got the guards and they got the bigs. They really just need to address the forward position. So I think if it's, if it's a guard, then I, I would say probably don't draft best player available, get the, get the best forward available. But it, it's hard to say that when you're looking at the draft and, and you get a chance at a high pick, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they need any more guards on this team at this point. They're already too guard heavy. It does feel like if there is a position that you, in this year's draft, if there's a position that you would want to be your want, if you will, it would be like stretch threes because it seems like this draft is full of – I'm not saying that it's full of elite level, 
but I think it is rich in six, seven to six, nine long guys. Perfect you know for I mean? the Pacers. Yeah, perfect yeah. for the Pacers. Yeah, and I think honestly, there's enough of them that the Pacers aren't too concerned about jumping up to to one or two. Obviously, they want that. You know what I mean? Like they would love to be number one, get Victor Wembanyama, uh, seven foot five guy. I mean, he could totally change a franchise. They, not saying they don't want that, but I'm saying there's also a thing where they're not as concerned about jumping up because they like a lot of the, the small forwards in this draft, a lot of the forwards in this draft that could really help them. And I think just there's so many names out there, but I, I'm just I'm just really hoping that they fall in that you know five to eight range if they don't jump up, just because there's a lot of good talent there. Alex Golden with us again at Alex Golden NBA on Twitter. Um, you know when you think back to last season, Alex, and I was you know such a fan of, and again this is weird to say a fan of it, but it's a reality when you're at this point as a franchise of you know losing games late, improving your draft stock. Draft stock was. Very beneficial to the Pacers. I mean, if they would have won a few more games last year, Benedict Matherin becomes Johnny Davis or Dyson Daniels, and and now the shape of your franchise looks a whole lot different. Um, if any, what pros would you point to about Indiana potentially getting on a run here to end the season and getting into the play-in tournament? Yeah, I mean, I guess the pros would mostly be the experience for these guys, the taste, the, you know, because I don't think they're going to go far, even if they get into the plan for some reason, like I could see them winning two games just because of the way they've been playing recently, where they can maybe become the eighth seed, but they're going to get, I think, annihilated in, a, in a, a seven game series against the one seed, just because I think, yeah, one game is one thing that playing a seven game series against this team. I think a lot of teams would be able to poke holes in, into what the Pacers have roster wise, but I just look at it from this standpoint. If they get into the playing game and they don't get to the playoffs, I think that's a little bit beneficial for getting them some experience, but also not totally tanking away their their top draft pick. I still think, based on how the rosters are, based on how the records are, I think there's a good chance they could still end up with a top ten pick, even if they do make that playing game. Just because there's so many teams out in the Western Conference that have similar or better records than the Pacers, so that's one thing to keep an eye on. Because I think OKC. New Orleans and the Lakers, they all have, uh, they're all at 30 wins plus right now. So they have a better one percentage than the Pacers right now. So that's something to keep an eye on, just depending on what that Western Conference uh, run looks like there for where they would land at in the, in the, in the, in the standings. But other than that, I think that getting yourself a better pick makes way more sense instead of going for that run, just because it's going to allow you guys to get more talent. And I think there's a good chance next year the Pacers make the playoffs. Uh, I know it's projecting a lot, but with what we've seen this year, if you add more talent to it and kind of shake up the roster a little bit more, this team feels like they're destined for the playoffs next year, and that's why I think just adding one extra pick makes way more sense than just that play-in game type of situation. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Last one from me. Again, March Madness begins starting next week. You've talked about a couple of names. Cam Whitmore, unfortunately, doesn't look like we're going to see him in the tournament with how Villanova's played this year. Mm -hmm. But other names to keep an eye on as the month of March unfolds. I do think this was a critical period last year to where Benedict Matherin really cemented himself as kind of a top-seven type pick. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Brandon Miller's a name to keep an eye on. Alabama, they're going to be a really, probably a popular pick to go far because of what Brandon Miller's done. I think I'm going to be watching him, but I think his teammate, Noah Clowney, is another name to keep an eye on. He's been kind of rising a little bit, and a lot of uh, big, big dude, right? Or b- bigger that. dude, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, six foot ten power forward. 
he won't even be 19 before the draft, so very young, and I think he might be more of a more of a center type. So that could that could be uh, unlucky there. But you know, I'm not I'm not actually sure if UCF is going to make the NCAA tournament. But one guy that I've been keeping my eyes on a lot that's been rising as well is Taylor Hendricks, six foot nine, power forward. I think that's going to keep an eye on. But uh, somebody that everybody's familiar with, I, I think this could be, and it makes a ton of sense to me as a Pacers pick as well as Chris Murray from Iowa. With how much they like Keegan Murray last year, I think Chris is very similar. Probably not as talented as Keegan, but very, very similar in how he plays the game. And I think that type of player, a six foot eight wing that's shooting the, the lights out from three, solid defender, low maintenance kind of guy, I think he could also be someone the Pacers have their eye on as well. And I think he's somebody I'm watching this uh, this run to see if Iowa can can do anything in the uh, in the NCAA tournament and not kind of crater like they did last year in the first round. Okay, Mark Dykton, I'm going to put you on the spot. This show we designed to do what? Educate and entertain. That's correct. Uh, Noah Clowney, who Alex just mentioned, power forward, native of South Carolina, little brother of Jadeveon Clowney. True or false? True. Sorry, buddy. But he is a cousin to him. Oh, well, okay. So he's in the there, family tree. We are, but here's the he's thing. He's in the if, family tree. If Alex, Mark up to fail there. Alex, if they draft Noah Clowney, there is your tidbit fun fact that you can throw in there. He is the cousin <laughs> of Jadeveon Clowney, not brother. I, I love it. Thank you. Uh, that's great information to know. <laughs> Alex, what about... <laughs> really uh, pertinent. Is it Jairus Walker from, from Houston? Is that the power forward? Yeah. Yeah, he's actually... If, if the Pacers don't get Brandon Miller, I mean, he's actually my preferred choice for that first pick the Pacers have. Um, probably a little bit over a Min Thompson as well, just because I uh, I really just like the way Jarrett plays, and I think his style would fit in perfectly next to Miles Turner. So uh, kind he's of a the guy that's tougher, rising up right? towards. Yeah, he's a, he's a tougher guy, really good defensively. Uh, he's not been putting up big stats point wise, and Houston's been really good. So I think just you know, as much as Indiana fans here don't like Coach Sampson, I mean, he's done a great job with Houston. I think that they're a, a sleeper team to maybe win the whole tournament this year, and I think he could be a big part of it, which would help his stock as well. But I think he's going to go top five. I have him four on my board. I, I really like Jairus Walker. It's between him and Brandon Miller for me. I just think Miller has more of the offensive upside that you want. It reminds me a lot of Paul George, Brandon Miller does. But Jairus Walker, I think that's a guy to just keep monitoring because he's, he's going to be – uh, more known during this NCAA tournament run. I think Houston's going to go far. Uh, true or false, Jarris Walker, Mark Dykton, is the brother of St. Joseph's star Jaden. I'll say true again. I think you're going to say the son of Larry Walker, former Rockies lefty. Tr- true is correct, by the way. Sister Jaden plays basketball for St. Joseph. Some good background here from Jake Quarry on this draft. <laughs> Alex, are you taking notes on all this for the for for when the Pacers draft a guy out of Lithuania we've never heard of? Yeah, I know, right? It's uh, <laughs> I appreciate the tidbits. Uh, the good thing is I can go back and listen to the podcast, and I'm ever right. curious to what you said. So I can go back and check that out on 107.5thefan.com. Look right? at that. Nice. Alex, that what, a, what a company man. Unbelievable. A better yeah. company man than we are. Now, we'll ask you for your Venmo uh, off air to make sure we can properly. <laughs> this is not going to be, though, Alex, would you agree clearly, this is not going to be one of the Pacers drafting sign and stash years where they draft a guy and stash him away in Europe. Whoever they draft is probably a guy we're going to be seeing getting minutes a year from now. 
Yeah, that's, that's actually really funny you bring that up real quick. I'll, I just wanted to say we uh, we recorded a podcast last night with a draft uh, person, on, and that's going to be releasing on Thursday for anybody interested in draft content. But uh, they did talk about the Pacers having so many picks. If they do end up keeping all three they, uh, in the first round, they could see the Pacers maybe with that last pick, around like 28, I think, where Boston's at now. They, they, they talked about maybe doing a draft and stash at that point just because where are the roster spots. And I said, that's a really good point. You know, I think – what makes the most sense to me is packaging those picks and trying to move up to get two top 15 picks. Yeah. But I don't know if that's possible or but, move higher uh, up into the top 10. Yeah, that's too. And that's true too. And I mean, they could, they could trade next year's draft pick as well, because we've heard that the 2024 draft is not as strong. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni just flat out said like, no, this draft is terrible. Like people don't even want these picks. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I go that far, but uh, you know, he would know better than me because he's seen this, like he said, one of the weaker high school recruiting classes. So maybe the Pacers are like, okay, let's package 2024 first round pick with our 2023 pick this year and move up and get into the top four or five and see if they can do that. I mean, there's a lot of options here with what the Pacers have, but I I would not be surprised if they do keep all three just because trades are hard sometimes at draft time. If they do do a draft and stash, it would not be the most unlikely thing, but not not all the way up at like five or six. There's no way they're taking anybody. And I don't think there's anybody up there for dropping stash at that point uh, on anybody's big board. Belil Koulibaly from France. Yeah, that's, that's who it's going to be. There's your sign in stash. True or false, he is yeah. actually the brother to Bo Koulibaly, who is a French volleyball player. Mark? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Buzz that, baby. I made that up. Yeah. You need these beers back, Mark? To get can I, can you give me one? I will take one right now. Well, it's 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 the nine o'clock. Give hour. me two. I'll do We're the Stone Cold rails, Steve Austin. Buddy. What? This is what happens. Alex <laughs> Golden, great stuff, man. Thanks for uh, certainly hanging in there for these last few minutes. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's it's nine o'clock here, but it's five o'clock somewhere. Don't forget uh, that. That's right. Amen, uh, my man. Thanks, <laughs> Alex. Five a.m. If you ask me. Huh? That's Alex Golden on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Ironically enough, five picks for the Pacers, as we mentioned, three in the first round. I'd be stunned if they use all five of those on players. They just have enough spots in their roster. So, again, as Alex said, trade up and or you could draft and stash a little bit This fellow, Bilal Kolobi, who is projected like as a late first, early second, uh, his international team is Jeep Elite. Oops, it's good gas mileage on that. <laughs> Certainly easy transportation around no, Seriously. Uh, you guys care to guess which country Maddie thought Joel Embiid is from last night? You know, I was trying to think of that. I mean, obviously he played at Kansas, and I can't remember his... Ghana. Is he from Cameroon? Her second guess was Ghana. Her first guess was Romania. Oh. Don't know about our Romanian pipeline to the NBA, but I don't think... I Was she thinking gymnastics, maybe? She might have got caught Nadia, up in the halftime show. A lot yeah. of people confuse him with Nadia Komeni. Yeah, uh-huh, very similar. But yes, Cameroon for Joel Embiid. I guess you could say how many... Cameroon natives have ever played in the NBA. Where's uh, Bismack Biombo? Where's he from? He's from the Republic of Congo. I think that's right. I, I believe that's. You right. You should know this. Jake. I had a You're like that, his biggest fan. I had a well. You know why, don't you? His name's Big. Because his name Biombo. is Bismack Biombo. I, I had a friend in college when I was interning in New York City that was from Cameroon. Nomo Nomo Angelo was his name. Great guy. Williams College. Oh, that one. Uh, N-O-M-O. He's from Zaire. And then N-O-M-O. Nomo Nomo Angelo? No, he's from no, Cameroon. No, no. Bismack Biambo. Really? Well, Zaire is Congo. the former Congo, correct? Lubumbashi, Zaire. Or Congo is... 
I believe that's correct. I believe the, the nation of Zaire is either is no more or it is a former nation, right? Are you looking that up? What are we doing? I'm not doing anything. No, you you made me go on this family tree trivia. Okay, I'll, I'll look this up. Pop while, quiz and we get set for the check. I'm I'm cast out for the day. Two three nine ten seventy. We'll try to keep it on the rails here for the final thirty minutes. Uh, morning checkdown time. <laughs> The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Zaire, by the way, is once again known as the Democratic Republic Party of the Congo, or Democratic Republic of the Congo. There you go. Thank you for the education yeah. on that do. front. That's something uh, we didn't ask for. Right? It Somebody is award, could look it up. award season in college <laughs> basketball, um, and I think we're going to see this a lot here over the next couple of days. Uh, the Sporty News released their team, both Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis on it. I mean, isn't it just a foregone conclusion they both are going to be first-team All-Americans? Yes, that that has to be. Like, unanimous. Yeah. So, I, I have a feeling this is just going to be a common theme here over the next couple of days. When do we get Big Ten awards? Shouldn't we get that before the tournament? Scotty just walked in. Do we know that, Scotty? Do not know. Oh. Mike on tomorrow, is that right, Mark? Yep. He'll have the answer to that. But yeah, I would think Big Ten awards come out before the start of the Big Ten tournament, which begins tomorrow. That We have, uh, I guess, play-in games, if you want to call it that, for the Big Ten tournament. Shockingly, one of the matchups, I don't think you would have gotten this at the start of the year, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Uh, and then the other one is Minnesota-Nebraska. The Minnesota-Nebraska winner will take on Maryland. The winner of that game will then face Indiana. 9 o'clock on Friday, IU is the three seed. Purdue is the one seed. We mentioned this earlier. Purdue is plus 175 to win the Big Ten tournament. Did it surprise you? Purdue's that big of a favorite? Indiana's next because to plus Because the field feels fairly wide open, yes. But they've obviously... It just feels like Purdue is in rougher water than they were a month and a half ago when they built a huge, you know what I mean? Built a huge lead. Scotty, we got awards coming tomorrow, you said? No. Oh. I have no idea. <laughs> we'll have tomorrow's game, Big Ten game. Oh, got it, got it, got it. We've got tomorrow's. My eyesight is horrific. We well, have tomorrow's. That's hard. That board's hard to read. Big Ten games on the fan. First game, six-ish? 6-15, the first game from the United Center. That will be Wisconsin-Ohio State and then Minnesota-Nebraska. Maybe sneak some food in because the concession workers are on strike there. So, Excuse me? Yeah. Where's this? At the United At Center? At the United Center, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Started right before... The right, uh, The Bulls played last... Or again, the, the Bulls-Pacers game. Apparently they started the strike. They they worked, but now the Big Ten you know tournament's why? coming up. And, Do you know why uh, they, they are were all able to strike? Why? Because they're united. Yeah. Maddie got a pretzel on the way out. In my opinion, that sucks. Those pretzels, those things are the size of her head. One of those Ben's pretzels or whatever they are. I don't even know what. Yeah, what it was, and safe to say, it's in the fridge. It's uh, college basketball today. tonight: Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. That is the ACC tournament. Gets underway at seven o'clock. Uh, it'll be fun to watch Mike Bray coach his final game with the, <laughs> the <laughs> eleven and twenty overall is Notre Dame, a whopping fifty-five percent. They are three and seventeen in league play. How is Virginia Tech, Kevin? You've been calling for him to have his last game for tournament. weeks. Uh, They've also had tonight. great success in the ACC tournament since Notre Dame has entered the ACC. They are third in percentage of wins in this mm-hmm. ACC tournament. Okay, uh, tonight Horizon League Championship. Did you say that is going to be Northern Kentucky and Wright State? Is that right? Northern Kentucky and Cleveland, Cleveland State. State. Norse versus Vikings. Seven o'clock from the Coliseum. A great venue. Uh, tickets available. So, if you're looking for something to do on this Tuesday night, 
Head up to the fairgrounds. Be be a fun environment, no question about that. Last night in the association, Kevin Joel Embiid put on quite a show for the Philadelphia. Oh, he 76ers. did, he did. He had his um, the typical embarrassing performance to Miles Turner that happens when Miles Turner and Joel Embiid face off. Turner fouled out in 17 minutes, no rebounds, three turnovers, and Embiid had 42. Tyrese Halliburton had. 40 and 16. That's 16 assists. No pacer in the history of the franchise has ever had a game with 40 points and at least 15 assists until Halliburton did it last night. Jake, we all were there. Wildly entertaining. Back and forth. I thought the key stretch was that early fourth quarter when the second unit plus James Harden pulled away for Philly. It seemed like that was just kind of the surge that was needed. You know, if you look at James Harden and what he's been able to do at Philadelphia, uh, compared to Russell Westbrook, as Russell, Russell Westbrook, as his shots kind of gone away, or just his ability, his athleticism, you know, his game has gotten away from him. James Harden still has obviously the ability to pull up, I guess, and shoot, but to turn into a guy that can facilitate for some of the younger players, Philly has twenty assists last night for James Harden. Um, I thought really good as well. I mean, I was impressed by that. Uh, Philly's tough. You know, there are th- there are three, maybe really four, really good teams in the East. Obviously, Philadelphia is one of them. Uh, kudos to Jalen Smith. I thought he stepped up with Turner in foul trouble, and I thought um, another really nice night for Jordan Wara. Again, doing more than just kind of stretching the floor. He got the start with Aaron Neesmith out. He's had a nice stretch here since being traded from the Bucks. All right, it is time for the pop quiz. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. It's tough. Boy, it is tough. Jeez, Scotty. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. It's going to be a plenty of hint day. You weren't kidding about being pissed off about last week, were you? Well, it's a good thing it's after nine. Man. All right. Uh, Pop quiz next. 317-239-1070. Give Hardest pop quiz I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, just brutal. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> this is just, I mean. Hints galore. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Pop quiz, Joel Embiid. Listener, Miles Turner. That's what we're looking at today. <laughs> I'd ask why, Scotty, but I'm nervous. What, which one's the hardest one, Jake? Uh, number two. I, one? I, number two? 
Yeah, gosh. I mean, I, my phone lines are packed. Jake, number one through eight. Galore. Uh, Jay Edwards, baby, number three. Martin. Martin. What's up, boys? How we doing? Martin, how you doing? Hey, uh, Jake, I'm brother of Matt, and that's true, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. I thought Jake was going to go with a, uh, who's your favorite president, Martin, and then drop a Martin Van Buren right. on you. I was going to ask if you ever watched the Martin Lawrence show that was simply named Martin. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, okay. Martin, do you ever go by Marty? Um, No, my grandfather was, so they, I, I've always just been Martin. My grandfather was Marty. Martin, you've called the program before, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. I was say, you seem like a nice fella. Now, Martin, uh, who was president the year that you were born? Uh, Ronald Reagan. Okay, the actor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Hey, hey, hey yeah. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Notre Dame will win five for the Gipper for you here in the ACC tournament, something like that. Oh, I think they will, Martin. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> Martin, where did you attend college? Or I, 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 if you did attend college, there, I guess. <laughs> I am a uh, St. Louis U. Billiken. Oh, nice! nice. Did you I always like wanted to go there? You had to have grown up in the St. Louis area, then, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yep. I was gonna say. Yeah. Is Larry Hughes your favorite Billiken? Uh, no. My my favorite Billiken, one of the coolest names. The guy's name's Jordair Jet. Back when they were really good under under Majerus, yeah, he was the A ten Player of the Year. Super long dreadlocks, just a really cool guy. Yeah, I do remember that name. Man, I, they had a couple of like really good teams there, probably a little bit over a decade ago. So you're too young to remember Charlie Spoonhour, right? No, I remember Spoon. Yeah, and then they had it. Well, Jimmy Cruz took over from Majerus, the little IU. Now, now, does anybody from St. Louis go to college more than thirty miles from St. Louis? I don't think anyone from St. Louis has ever left St. Louis. <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. So nobody you goes to Missouri? Kidding. I almost went to Missouri. Nah, I mean, it was all, honestly. I, mean, I know it's a long drive to Columbia, but still. Martin, so you grew up in St. Louis, right, Martin? Yeah. Okay, so Parkway West, Parkway East, CBC, DeSmet. Stop me when I get to your high I'm school. Cousins went to oh, DeSmet. Oh, oh, where I went to high school, Webster. Because that's the big question there is where'd you go to high school, but... Um, probably not unlike Indianapolis, I get it. But the majority of people that I met either went to SLU or or University of Missouri St. Louis for college. Very few Missouri people. It was it was odd. Um, yeah. All right, Martin. Would you like for me that would be Jacob for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna switch it up this time. I'm gonna go with KB. Did you grow up uh, at all near Clayton, Martin? Yeah, yeah, not too far. Yeah, yeah. my mom had some family. My mom actually grew up there, but my mom had some family members uh, that still live in that area. All right, Martin, good luck. This thing is just excruciating. Um, on this day in 2016, Peyton Manning announced his retirement from the NFL. Peyton was taken number one overall by the Colts in 98, selecting him over Ryan Leaf, who then went second to San Diego. Name the third pick of the 1998 NFL draft. Is it A, Andre Wadsworth, B, Curtis Enos, C, Charles Woodson or D. Grant Wistrom? I will tell you this, Martin. This guy shares the same initials as the 1989 Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out of Houston that won the Heisman instead of Anthony Thompson. And the same first name. And he was terrible in the NFL. Correct. Oh, Charlie Ward, Charles Woodson. His initials are a great great beverage. No, Charles well. Woodson was good. Uh, was it A, Andre Wadsworth, B, Curtis Enos, or let's just stop there? A lot of guys, when you ask about that Heisman, they go, where is he now? Oh, Andre, where? Andre Wadsworth. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, question number two. Is, <laughs> now, Martin, are you driving right now? No, no, okay. I pulled over. I'd have you pull over because you're going to drive into a bridge embutment when you hear this one. Uh, UConn won the Big East basketball tournament for women last night, beating Villanova in the final. Gino Ariema advances to the NCAA tournament for the 34th consecutive year, the second most in women's college basketball history. Who's first in that category? Tara Vanderveer, Pat Summit, Vivian Stringer, or Sylvia Hatchell? Um, Indiana grad, if I'm not mistaken. Initials are the same as what I did before radio. Tara Vanderveer, Pat Summit, Vivian Stringer, Sylvia Hatchell. Sylvia Hatchell. Okay. All right, number uh, three here, SH, Martin. I remember that. We, we could be doing this pop quiz till 10.05 if we have to get through all the clues. Uh, following the conclusion of the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament Championship game, CBS will bring you the NCAA Tournament Pairing Show. My excitement at 5.59 this coming Sunday every year it's just the best. it's just a uh, unbelievable remember that one year where they drew it out for like two hours oh, it was like come on thank the lord they've changed that Martin when was the first year the NCAA tournament selection uh, were, were televised live I, I think you were alive for this um, A76 B79 C82 or D85 Freddie Brown threw an errant pass to culminate this year's tournament That's got to be NC State. Yeah, 82. There you go. Let's work, Martin. Uh, question number four. Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic lead the NBA in triple-doubles this season. Domantas Sabonis is third, recording his eighth triple-double last night. Who was the last player to have more than eight triple-doubles in a season for the Kings? Was it Peja Stajakovic, Mitch Richmond, Norm Van Leer, or Oscar Robertson? I will tell you, it did not happen in Sacramento. Oscar Robertson. Okay. All right, to round it out, Martin, the World Baseball Classic gets underway today with Cuba taking on the Netherlands. Who is the defending champion from the last World Baseball Classic, which was held in 2017? A, Puerto Rico, B, Japan, C, South Korea, or D, the United States of America? He said Japan, right? Yeah. You want okay. another guess at that? <laughs> uh, only if I'm only if I got a hundred. Be, so be a be a true St. Louisan and stay close to home. Oh, you have. Okay. Uh, by the way, for question number three, and I'll give you a lot of credit here, Martin. You said 1982 North Carolina State, North Carolina State, and Lorenzo Charles slam from Derek Wittenberg's air ball was 1983, but you were correct because Freddie Young, or Freddie, excuse me, Freddie Brown's pass was 1982. 82 was correct. But, yes! Uh, so he got that one right. Andre Wadsworth was correct for question that number one. correct. Got five. Norm Van Leer, though, was correct for question number four, and which he missed. And the women's coach to go to 36 in a row, Tara Vanderveer. <laughs> Yes, I worked in TV. Thank you, Martin. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. (laughs) I didn't realize until recently that that little part of that bit is from the song I Lost on Jeopardy from Weird Al. Mm-hmm. It's a bit aggressive here from Joseph. Scotty needs his head on a platter after this quiz. <laughs> Jeez. 
<laughs> Scotty, I, I, I will try and protect you the best I can the you rest of the day. We still have a hat on it, though, for what that's worth. Now, so is everyone game playing? one? Too. Does everyone play in the World Baseball Classic? How does that work? Everyone in the world? I mean, like, do legit Major League Baseball players play in it? I mean, we are mm-hmm. less than a month away from the start of the season. Yes, they are excused from spring training, and and they all do that. Yep. Wow, that's kind of crazy to me. You imagine? Do we, do we put our best team out there? No. Like, is Mike Trout playing in it? think he is because of his injury i mean you imagine like the nba being like all right here are the olympics a month before the season starting yeah that would not fly very well have you guys seen the time difference in these uh pitch clocks for yeah Major League Baseball? i've seen some guys getting 24 minutes the average time in spring training games Save. shorter right than what they were last season i think i have this right i believe it's if you're a batter, you have eight seconds to get back in the batter's box. If you're a pitcher, you've got 15 seconds to throw a pitch if nobody's on base and 20 if somebody is on base. And this is, they're doing this in college too, right? Because I thought I just saw a guy getting tossed from a game, not not from a game, uh, getting called out at the batter's box because he didn't, he was taking too long. And I think it was a college game, right? Really? Now, is there any part of you, I think over the course of 162 games, I like this decision. There's a part of me that enjoys playoff drama and the elongated organ in between a pitch and the crowd kind of rising a little bit and the tension building between I mean, the guy has fouled off one for the sixth time. and In the World Series, for sure, though, right? I mean, isn't it going to be a little bit too... And again, we'll probably get used to it over time, but I think I'll miss that. I think I'll miss that playoff drama and the build in between I mean, pitches for that. it is kind of cool, isn't it? Isn't it part of the, the, the right of the sport? You know, the, the cutaway of the fans that are huddled up wearing a, a hoodie and, you know, they got gloves on and they're nervous during the anticipation late in the game. And, and you've got a crowd play. shot and a bullpen shot totally. and a manager I, I shot, you. you know? Yeah. Scotty just handed me the World Baseball Classic roster for the U.S. And my first thought is this. Boy, I do not know a lot of American guys? baseball players. Yeah. But actually, there are a lot of names that I, you know, Kyle Schwarber, Mike Trout, Trey Turner. Gosh, Adam Wainwright has got to be 50 years old at this point. Lance Lynn. Really? That's cool. Paul Goldschmidt, Mookie Betts. Pete Alonzo, Tim Anderson. Nolan Arndado. That's a pretty good lineup. Tim Anderson, yeah. Pete Alonzo, as Mark said. Yeah, I mean, you got some good uh, some good players. The manager. How about the hitting coach is Griffey? The pitching coach is Andy Pettit. This nice. is great. True or false? Um, manager Mark DeRosa. True or false? Pete Alonzo, brother to Fernando Alonzo. False. That is correct. Yes, that's just separated by one mother there, Fernando and <laughs> Pete. That's right. Is Back Kyle, in the win column. Is Kyle Larson, did I see a two-year deal, Jake, on the Indy 500 for him? Uh, I know it's next year. Yeah, not this year, but I thought I saw 2024 and 2025 for him. It's going to be the same type of mania that Fernando Alonso had, I can tell you that much, because he's going to run up front. Gonna be really good. I didn't see that it was the second year, but I that wouldn't thought I saw that. Wouldn't surprise me. All right, we'll close it out here one final time. Kevin Query on Tuesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Mike DeCourcy will join us, I believe, tomorrow on the program. One of the topics that we can discuss, what he just sent out, the Sporting News College Basketball All-American Team. There is one player who was unanimously selected. That player plays collegiately in the state of Indiana. That player is Kevin Bowen. Uh, If there's only one, I guess it's got to be Zach Eady. Zach Eady is correct. Jalen Wilson of Kansas joins him on the All-American Team along with Trace Jackson Davis. So, but but Zach Eady. Trace is not unanimous either, to be honest with you. Uh, Who else rounds out the team? We can ask him that tomorrow, probably, right? Would assume Brandon Miller. First team. Uh, Brandon Miller of Alabama is correct. Mm -hmm. And Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. Second second team. Think about that, Jake. All five of those guys you'd qualify as 6'8 or taller. Uh, That's. Pretty much true for the second team. Marcus Sasser of Houston, the guard, is on the second team, uh, along with Jalen Pickett of Penn State. Boy, he's had a great year. Points and assists. You know, basketball's just become so much more positionless with with each and every year, you know? To me, it will only be news if Zach Eady or Trace Jackson Davis are not first-team All-Americans. Or honestly, again, I think they should be, both of them, unanimous. But that'll be something certainly to ask Mike DeCourcy. When he joins us tomorrow at 9, I believe. Yep, uh, Matt Miller o'clock. tomorrow at 9.30. Uh, he was here, ESPN draft analyst for the Combine. So we'll kind of wrap that up with him. And Stephen Holder, who followed Anthony Richardson behind the scenes at the Combine. So that'll be fun to have that conversation with Stephen tomorrow um, at 8 o'clock. I know a lot of people have asked when's the last time that Purdue and Indiana had first-team All-Americans in the same year. You would probably have to look pretty far to find one where they both were on the first team. But in 1993, Cheney Cooper Cheney was, yeah, was the player of the year, and Glenn Robinson was uh, on most second team All-American lists. Of course, Eric Montrose of North Carolina was there as well. So you had three players from Indiana high schools all playing kind of interchangeably on the first or second teams. The latest from Joe Lenardi leading into conference championship week. He has Purdue as the top two seed in the South region. The South region is Louisville. So he slots them into that Louisville region with Alabama as the one. Um, He's got IU as the third, fourth seed. So IU right now on the four line as the third, fourth seed. And as far as the thing to watch coming up on Thursday, obviously if you're a Purdue fan, Rutgers plays Michigan, you get the winner of that one. He's got Rutgers barely in, and he's got Michigan as the fifth team out. So if you're Michigan, you probably have to win two. You probably got to beat Purdue to get in. I think they're almost in the Indiana spot of last year, Jay. You don't think Michigan beating Rutgers gets them in? They got to jump five spots. Yeah. I mean, if he's right, of course. Because, again, we are in the week where – what happens if some bid stealers occur? Yeah, that's the other if, thing you got to worry Houston about. If Houston yeah. doesn't win their yeah. conference tournament, yeah. you know, some of those teams, when Notre Dame wins five games in five nights, there's a bid stealer. Well, and you, 
Has the West Coast Conference tournament already taken place? Uh, tonight. Gonzaga and St. Mary's, both in. Okay, see, they're both in, so that there's no bid stealer there. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if Portland or somebody comes in and wins it, it's like, oh boy. So you agree with me, Notre Dame, five games and five nights, it sounded like there. Okay. <laughs> okay. I will tell you what. If Notre Dame wins the ACC tournament, I will not only pay off to you the Shane Steichen beer bet. Oh, gosh. That's what's got to happen for me <laughs> to get that? I will, send, I will send your family to dinner to the restaurant of your choice. Let's go. I love Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe raise your stakes a little bit there. What do you mean? I mean, Olive Garden's good, but if Austin Jake's paying. Sticks? If Jake's paying. Well, we saw we see how he's paid with the six-pack of beer. I was going to say. Now there's a caveat in order to get that. I'm gonna bring you in a. I'm gonna bring you in a case, buddy. It'll be a brown He's bag. Of, it's gonna be a forty of hams tomorrow. Is what Jake's gonna bring That'd in. That'd be awesome. What about Keystone Light? Do you like that Keystone Light? Uh, well, certainly twenty. You know the well, cans are lined like a Twenty-one year old me definitely liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, franchise tag deadline is at four o'clock today. Again, my expectation is the Colts will not use it, so that means they will have six days to try and get deals done with their current free agents before those free agents can. Head elsewhere. Old Milwaukee, you okay with that? I, I, I could I, at this point I'll take hell, I'll take Dasani water. Olympia? I don't know if I'm familiar with Olympia. Okay. I don't I don't know if they still make it. Schlitz. Mark, thank you for the tax man. You're welcome. You are absolutely welcome. Nice it's my variety. pleasure. Iron City. Walked in here and I was waiting for me and Falls City? How about some Falls City? Jake looked just a little hopeless over there. <laughs> He was mad I gave it to you. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I thought you'd at least call me and go, hey, just a heads up. I don't want to upstage you here. Hey, you know, I know you forgot your credential on Friday, and uh, let's make sure you bring in the six-pack of beer. Do you guys understand the struggles I go through at my age to get up and come in and do this program with you guys? Oh, gosh. I need some Grandpa slack. Jake has made an appearance <laughs> now. Unfreaking believable. Thankfully, uh, got, this show is over I for the day. I got QC Kinetics on speed dial over here. Thank you. Uh, 317-559-Pain. Uh, thank you to Greg Doyle. Thank you to Alex Golden. Those podcasts will be up here in a bit and a whole lot to chat about tomorrow. Everybody have a great Tuesday.